A Florida man was arrested for screaming at neighbors and threatening to kill them, all because his testicles hurt. Police got the call about a 32-year-old man possibly on drugs and threatening to kill the neighbors with a gun. Officers found the man soaked with sweat and clearly panicked. He told them his testicles were hurting and he believed he had parasites from swimming in a nearby creek. (laughs) Which, um, maybe he watched an episode of Monsters Inside Me and... You could have just told me that story and said, guess where this happened. Would not have been hard to do that moving forward. Yeah. Not hard to figure out that was a Florida story. (laughs) Also, that's something that never happens to the wealthy. You never see the wealthy threatening to murder their neighbors because their testicles hurt. This is true. Seems to be specifically geared towards people who live on the beach. (laughs) Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Hey, we're live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Lake Charles. Yeah. How do you like that? Yeah. I like it a lot. You know, they said we wouldn't uh, 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 do it. You know, they, they said, did. A lot they, of people said They it. said, oh, they'll never go out there and do can't a live show it. again. They're, they can't they're, handle it. They're yeah. done with the live shows. They, they can only do live to tape shows. And we said, we'll show you. We'll show we'll you. We'll show you. We'll do a show in an empty chapel. That's right. You know, when Bill said uh, we should come up to practice for years, you said, oh, we'll never do it. <laughs> and you guys came to practice yesterday. Uh, yeah, man, it was great. We had a great time. Man, uh, was I thrilled to see you guys down on the field watching, enjoying the uh, great atmosphere that is St. Vincent? Well, you I know, I never like fun. to be in the way. Yeah. I, and uh, yesterday, I, did, I, I didn't feel like I was in the way. No. But yeah. in the past, no, I was kind of like, awesome. I don't want to be a burden. <sighs> We're enough of a burden. I'll tell you the thing that blew me away yesterday was seeing Ryan Chazier walking up and down the sidelines. Amazing. And when I say walking up and down the sidelines, I mean, he literally was walking around. Yeah, he's got a cane, but he's not using it much. Yeah. yeah. I was really Pretty blown. It's incredible. It's just amazing, that guy. Yeah. And uh, also Antonio Brown's earrings. I mean, if those are his practice earrings, <laughs> I want to see the ones he wears out at night. All right. Val's got a news update for you. We're going to keep things cooking here, and uh, we've got lots of stuff planned for you. Live from St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Uh, the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast chance of rain today. Temperatures around 80 degrees. It is 67 now at DVE. Special Counsel Robert Mueller reportedly is willing to limit the number of questions his investigators would ask President Trump. The Washington Post reports Mueller sent a letter on Monday offering to reduce by half the number of questions prosecutors would ask Trump about possible obstruction of justice. The family of Antoine Rose is filing a federal lawsuit connected to the teenager's death. The wrongful death lawsuit names East Pittsburgh, its mayor, city council, police chief, and the officer who shot him. Officer Michael Rosfeld is charged in Rose's death as he ran from a traffic stop on June 19th. Strange political campaign charge is driving a huge jump in Internet searches for Bigfoot. The adult website Pornhub says Bigfoot searches are up 8,000%. In fairness. I added to that yesterday, and I feel horrible (laughs) about about it. About 5% of that? Yeah. In fairness, yeah. It wouldn't have taken a huge uptick for the 8,000% number to have been achieved. I don't imagine there was a whole lot of Bigfoot searching previous to this. Well, this is all since a congressional candidate accused her opponent of liking Bigfoot erotica. Virginia. (laughs) I don't like it. I love it. <laughs> Virginia Democratic candidate Leslie Cockburn leveled that charge at uh, Republican Denver Republican Denver Riggleman in a tweet on Sunday. 
Uh, she tweeted, Riggleman has been, as she put it, exposed as a devotee of Bigfoot erotica. Yeah. Well, look. Hey, we're all into whatever we're into. Yeah. I and mean, some of it's Bigfoot. If you're a devotee, I have respect for you. But if you're just dabbling in Bigfoot. <laughs> you can't. You can't dabble in Bigfoot. Bigfoot erotica. Yeah. Bigfoot, you're, you're all in. Commit to the Yeti or don't. Rig- Riggleman says his opponent is getting the wrong idea from some jokes that his friends posted on social media. <laughs> Once uh, showed a sketch of Bigfoot with a censored uh, label over his genitals. <laughs> hey, Riggleman. <laughs> Here's something funny. Remember you told me you got a boner watching <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons? I'm telling everybody. I hope you're not sitting under a short table. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> Parents are now We're hiring Fortnite coaches to help their kids win in the gaming world. Some parents are making the investment with the idea that their kid could win an eSports scholarship down the road, kind of like hiring tutors to help with SAT yeah. scores, but... Other parents are doing it so their kids avoid being embarrassed at school. Being good at Fortnite apparently has become something of a status symbol, and being bad at the game can lead to ridicule on the playground, so parents are coughing up the cash to protect their kids. My kids don't even play that game, and I know that, because they've seen videos of other people playing that game. Mm-hmm. Last night when we were uh, down at the, at the hotel lobby for cocktail hour, there were three kids playing Fortnite mm-hmm. on their iPads. It's, it's real out here. Well, and if you think that it's not a big deal, uh, researchers think eSports participants will soon earn close to or more than pro athletes. <laughs> and if that shocks you, the 2016 League of Legends tournament took place in a sold-out stadium and drew 36 million viewers, which was 5 million more viewers than the 2016 NBA Finals. Twitch is the thing that, that freaks me out. People actually it. log on to watch other people play. Oh yeah. What, what is the uh, attraction there? Is I don't that get it. these games are so multidimensional and so complex that to play it well, it's it actually is pretty cool to see. And I don't really But why care wouldn't you play I'm an it? Adult. Huh? Why wouldn't people rather than watch it actually because, play it? Because people suck at it. Oh. Kind of like golf, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You know, and it'd be like if you can't drive and you get behind the seat of a Lamborghini, it's like you're just wasting it. And uh, more eSports news as it continues to grow. It will attract more attention and money. And because of that, uh, it's not surprising there's now a supplement company out there creating performance-enhancing supplements designed specifically for gamers. Earlier this year, the company D20 released Prolixer, which supposedly boosts energy. Maybe we could get some of that. And uh, Reboot supposedly helps calm nerves before bed, so you get an upper and a downer. Just like real athletes, these kind of competitors are looking for any edge uh, they can find to help win tournaments and earn more money. I just feel like there's somebody out there doing smelling salts and then playing (laughs) Zelda. I got to do this. Get back in there. Forecast today, uh, some rain and temperatures around 80. It's 66 at DVE. Well, live from Steelers training camp, St. Vincent College in Lake Trove. Yesterday, we had a chance to talk to Steelers legend, hero, and soon-to-be Hall of Honor um, I don't uh not nominee. He is not already nominated. Recipient. Recipient. Yes, uh, it is the great Rocky Blyer. Pulitzer Prize losing columnist Gene Collier, joined mm-hmm. by uh, oh, you might know this guy, The Rock, Rocky Blyer, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hey, long time no see. How you doing there, buddy? Doing fine. Thank yeah. you very much. You look very, uh, you look very healthy. You look... Sorry, we we lowered the I go to the gym. See, I always see Rock at the gym where he's getting like this uh, ridiculous workout in, and I'm like, I'm going to go up and do Zumba. I'll see you later, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see you, man. And yeah, you look great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's Gino, nice good to, to see you too. It's nice to be reunited. You look so good. <laughs> you look, you good look too. felt. It yeah. does. Yeah, I like the hat. Yeah, what? Why Thanks. did you choose the Giants hat today? Are you wearing the last place uh, mm-hmm. team again? Okay, I, I was telling Rock before. You know, I usually buy one thing a year. That's you know, outside of beer and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in the spring, I buy a baseball hat, and I always buy the hat of the worst team from the year before. It's a symbol of hope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's, it's, we all have it. Your it's, it's, we all have it. Yeah. Uh, Rocky, you are uh, coming off of uh, a pretty cool year. Uh, was it last year when you debuted the live uh, stage performance of uh, Fighting Back? Was that 2017? No? I thought it, it was, was two years ago. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Heinz the, Hall uh, world premiere. That was it. Of, the world uh, premiere was in 2015. The play with Rocky Blyer or the play or Rocky <laughs> Blyer with the play. <laughs> Uh, was uh, September 15 at Heinz Hall, and then oh, it had two runs wow. at the public God, theater that long, right? in yeah. 16 and 17. December 17. Right. Okay, yeah. Right. yeah. Right. So, I I always thought that was the coolest thing that you could tour around the country doing that, and it would be big. You know, as, as huge as the NFL is, and as big of a figure as you are, in particular, uh, because you represent being a veteran of foreign war, you're an NFL veteran. Uh, Fighting Back was one of the biggest books. To ever be written by a sports figure like yourself, and you were like you know before there was Pat Tillman, there was there was Rocky Blyer. Yeah, you know I appreciate that. Yeah, so and you know so Fighting Back came out in nineteen seventy five. I didn't want to bring that. Yeah, nineteen seventy five. You know you remember that year very well. I, I was a toddler. <laughs> I was a toddler. <laughs> In 1975, so it was right there. I was in college. <laughs> and I was, yeah, so I was, we came out in the first year of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry O'Neill, um, who uh, prompted me to do it and ultimately wrote the uh, 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 wrote the book, uh, was uh, working for ABC at the time and said, uh, hey, what do you think about doing a book prior to the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Like a week before the Super Bowl. I thought, oh, oh, well, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah, why don't you go down and record some stuff, and we'll see where it goes from there. And we and that was it. And so we wrote the book, and uh, um, and then uh, it, uh, it, it, it it we wrote the book, and it came out. Uh, it was uh, you know he did a wonderful job of pulling all the the story together in the early part of the story about coming up in Appleton, Wisconsin, and going to high school and through college at Notre Dame, and then come to come um, to the Steelers and in you know, those trials and tribulations of going to uh, Vietnam and coming back and trying to make this team and, and all the characters that uh, were involved in that in that whole story. And so uh, then it was some 20 years later, I wrote an epilogue <laughs> just to kind of bring it up to date. And then 20 some years later, <laughs> again, I had a better writer. <laughs> <laughs> by the name of Gene Collier, uh, add uh, uh, two nice. more chapters uh, to the uh, to the book. 
So two more chapters are, two. are now added in a reissue of Fighting Back. Yes, and so we're coming out with Fighting Back uh, for Veterans, which is the campaign, uh, because the proceeds of the book uh, will uh, be going to veteran organizations that we've earmarked. So it's like, uh, you know, buy a book, help a veteran. And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and so, and the, and the reason that we're bringing it back is that it's interesting, or at least from my point of view, over the years, uh, that people come up to me even today and said, oh, you know, the first book that I ever read in the fifth grade uh, was Fighting Back. Yeah. And, uh, or it uh, had some impact or was given to me by my grandfather or was given to me by my parents or I got it for Christmas or whatever. It was part of a collection of sports books that you had to read growing up, like uh, Ball Four, uh, you know, uh, Three Big Shy of a Load. Like all of those were sort of, lumped into the if you're a sports fan these are the ones you have to read the bronx zoo stuff like that yeah that's right and i I think you know so it was recommended by 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 teachers you know to say okay fine if you're going to read a book here's a sports book and here's Mm -hmm. one that is about the steelers and it's about Mm -hmm. okay fine but i i really think that it was uh all the swear words that were in the book that really caught the attention of the Young uh, people. The <laughs> yeah. at, the time, at the time of explaining what took place in Vietnam and how my yeah. real feelings were at that at that point in time. So um, what I so what what we thought was that well let's reissue the book uh, and make it fresh and hard kick, uh, hardback and um, and have a purpose for the book uh, and have another generation enjoy the book so mm-hmm. that those fathers that read the book when they're in the fourth or fifth grade or sixth grade and now give it to their sons and or grandfathers give it to their grandkids and kind of um uh, and that was our that was our our thought process and and hopefully uh we can uh, accomplish that and and uh the i'm going to autograph the first ten thousand books awesome yeah, uh, in t- this afternoon, as a matter of fact. Yeah, all 10,000? <laughs> oh, wow. All in a period of time. When so you get done, you'll have done more writing in the, on the book <laughs> than I did in the book. <laughs> <laughs> now, Alejandro Villanueva also uh, contributing yeah. to this reissue. Yeah, very much so because of the uh, uh, the veterans uh, aspect that, uh, uh, as I said, where the proceeds are going to go with the book. Um, but uh, obviously of his popularity and uh, the relationship that we had about being in the military. Uh, and so I approached uh, uh, Al about writing it. And, oh, he accepted very graciously and uh, I thought did a wonderful job of capturing um, what it meant to serve and being a part of the Steeler Nation and uh, uh, and, uh, and and giving back to one's community, and so he did a a, a wonderful job in writing that forward. Now you're going to go back to Vietnam later this month with a crew from ESPN, and it'll be the first time you've returned since 1969. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Well, overwhelmed only because I I, I have a lot of reading to do. <laughs> just to catch up on what took place, turn it no, was like, <laughs> <laughs> just to remind me yeah. <laughs> what happened over yeah. there. I'm yeah. reading this book called Fighting Back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that has to be. Uh, I but mean, I'm, 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 I, you know, at first, at first, they, and, and I let me tell you this, it just because as a veteran, people ask, well, are are you nervous about it? Did you, the anticipation. <clears throat> And if this opportunity had not existed, I don't know whether I I didn't have a big need to go back to Vietnam. There was there was any, no closure. There was no closure. In, I didn't need any closure. Yeah. Get, you know, I think I got unlike the majority of Vietnam veterans 
coming back um, to the Steelers back in 1970 was a great catharsis for me, only because of the fact that I came back to, quote, a high-profile industry. It was a story of this kid trying to come back and make a football team. And so the questions that were asked, um, I had to all of a sudden come up with an answer. What was the war like? What did you feel? Uh, how was the comparison? What do you think about coming back? And, um, and what memories do you have? And so I got a chance to talk about that, unlike the majority of veterans who came back and had to repress all those feelings because of the uh, attitude of the American people about that veteran because mm-hmm. he was identified with the Vietnam War and that conflict, which uh, was unpopular. So you became unpopular. And so rather than having to face that, I just, they repressed it, went back to school, went back to uh, work, got married, raised kids. They tried kids to stay so low on. key about it. And, so you yeah. got to have your catharsis happen out in the open. Well, and out, and yeah. you, you, were, you were invited to do that. Uh, because of your profession, right? Uh, so you were uh, coming back into the the league. You were thrust into uh, you know like having to to deal with all of that stuff publicly, which was probably helpful. And everyone else had to hide. That's right. And that was the, and that was a and that was a big difference. So wow. So for me, I never considered uh, what, that it yeah. was a it was a healing process. Um, and then also, uh, it was almost you know because I was put on maybe a different pedestal. Yeah, because people, you know, kind of looked up to you because mm-hmm. of the celebrity you know, quotient involved. Well, that's right. right. Uh, unlike the other uh, veterans who returned, and so uh, then you, that's a heck of a safety going, net to come back to, right? Yeah, yeah, that was, and you know, and so that worked out very well. So for so for basically for my need to have to go back to Vietnam for any closure was not really there, you know. So what I would like to do is to. Uh, during this period of time, is to reassess those feelings and um, and try to uh, hopefully come back with a story of what it was like for the average veteran to serve in Vietnam uh, during that period of time, all these fifty some years ago, um, and 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 maybe have that story told. Ken Burns's uh, documentary on Vietnam, I thought, was a wonderful educational process for the average American person uh, who is not in Vietnam, but to understand political aspects, north of Vietnam, the Viet Cong, how it all got to be, what took place. Oh, I think that that did a better job of educating the American public about the Vietnam more than the educational system ever did. Very, very much so, you know, because the educational system omitted Vietnam. <laughs> fairly was, fairly was, important I mean, points. Or, there were a lot of points in Ken Burton's documentary. I was like, I didn't know that. That's right. Really? <laughs> you remember all those, <laughs> all the history books when you were in high yeah. school that, you know, that really focused on Vietnam? It was like a page. You're right. Yeah. They, they kind of <laughs> glossed over it. Glossed and over it. And we got a lot of great music at the end. <laughs> That's right. And, it was, <laughs> and a lot of protests. And, you know, like, yeah. and, and that was the, uh, that was the success and the 70s and so that was but so uh, hopefully um, what I would like to be able to do maybe in this context is to kind of give a kind of give a, a, a retrospect of the average soldier and what he had felt you see it seems like you're going to, to lengths to make sure that you're representing the vantage point of people that weren't you because you seem like you do you feel a, a sense of 
guilt is the wrong word, but that you had it a little bit better because of your status coming back than the rest of oh, them did. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Better. Only it looked up to better, you know. And, 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 and you and saw that as not being fair. No, I didn't think that's fair, you know, because I had a lot of friends, uh, you know, that, that, that came back and had to deal with a lot of post-traumatic stress. You know, we didn't know at that time yeah. what it was Shell called. Shell-shocked was... Whatever it might yeah. be. And, uh, um, you know, Agent Orange that uh, later crept up and, oh uh, and so on and so on mm-hmm. and so on and so on and just didn't get the respect uh, of, of having served their country whether you liked it or didn't like it, whether you liked the war or didn't like it, but it was about the soldier and the fact that they did serve. I mean, they didn't run away and they didn't become a conscientious objector. They didn't go to jail. They just right. served. That and, conflation that protesters made back then between the people who were sent off to fight the war and the justification for the war, um, that was a- as ugly as a t- moment in time that this country's ever had uh, for certain. Do you think it got any better after that? Because there were still wars that people objected to. Oh, no, it got better. But, you know, here, and here, it, 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 from my little sense of, of humor, it got better uh, at the Gulf War, 1991, 92. Uh, and why? Well, because it was a short conflict, if we remember, a good two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was fought like, it was fought in the image of how we expect, we, the American people, expect the United States to be able to uh, to have a war, which is that, like, um, we had Schwarzkopf come out every night on television, uh, dressed. I always imagine he had like two forty fives on his hip, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, yeah. all right, pilgrims. It was like right. John Wayne. Yeah. And okay, we circle those wagons, and we're gonna. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna move here. We're gonna kick them out of here. We'll just move this out of here. And by God, they did it. Mm-hmm. Like the next day, and the American people all of a sudden woke up and they go, "Wow, that's the way things should have been," you know. And we had flags on our cars. People beeping their horns. It was somewhat of a glorious time. At that moment, uh, that soldier became a hero, um, and um, and so it trickled over to the Vietnam veteran. And it was the first time ever in the lives of a lot of veterans or Vietnam veterans that somebody came up and thanked them for their service because of what took place in the Gulf War. And then it has continued over these many years, over these last 20 it years. It does seem to me that people ways. have been able to separate. I, I, if I'm against the war, I'm not against the soldier. Correct. Something they weren't enable or unable to do during the Vietnam War. That's right. So now, but then but then you get this. Then you get this aspect from, from a political point of view. So you get this aspect is that 1% of our population serves in the military. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's 99 percent out there I don't think they feel guilty but they feel something that you know it makes me feel better to thank you to help support sure you because I'm not doing anything over yeah, here now you feel indebted right yeah and Absolutely. so um, and 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 so the so the American soldiers today uh, in a, in a lot of respects <clears throat> excuse me get some lip service mm-hmm. uh, but at least a thank you you know um, I get it all the time now as well as other veterans uh, somebody comes up and say hey thank you for your service just mm-hmm. thank you for your service and thank you for your service and and so um, it is a much better atmosphere to be in today than it was back some 
40, 50 years ago. But there are a whole lot more vets, and they need to be taken care of, and uh, you are ensuring that they're uh, getting the level of care that they deserve by donating proceeds from well, this. That's right. And, yeah. getting yeah, there it's and, just, and helping yeah, raise yes. awareness. And, <clears throat> and uh, of course, this has always been a, a cause near and dear to your heart. And uh, this yeah. is a great way to do it. The reissue of fighting back, I'm very interested in, in hearing about. And I, I want to know what Gene had to contribute here, the two extra chapters. Oh, they were great. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this was great fun to do. I don't know how many people uh, realize this, but you know, the further there, as you said, Randy, there are two parts to this kind of epilogue. One is uh, is about Rocky's family. A lot of people don't realize this. Rocky, uh, you know, um, around the turn of the century, adopted two Ukrainian orphans, uh, lovely girls, Emily and Rosie, and uh, the story of how that came together uh, is the subject of one of these. Uh, parts of the epilogue and it was great uh, great fun to do that uh, because it's just a, a tremendous uh, story of uh, rock kind of you know really putting his his family uh, together and back together and um, uh, it's uh, it was just an honor to do the, the second part of it is about the play which is um, you know way too much about me, but also about uh, all the other people who made the play possible. And it's mostly about, I think, or I hope it, the focus of it is uh, just how, um, I, and this is not a, um, no disrespect to Rock, but just how unbelievably good he was at it. Um, and by, by that I only mean I thought he would be good at it because he's he's a public speaker he's used to being in front of people but he was astounding at it uh, acting uh, that play I know it's his own story but just imagine him he's out there by himself for 90 minutes yeah. he's never acted he's never been you know in a theater setting and you know he carries it off like uh, you know he's been acting all his life um, and the typical so, review I heard from that started like this. Oh, <laughs> so good. he is so good. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, that's that's essentially the second part of my just my a big oh, yeah. oh my oh. god. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, all right, we're way uh, over time here, so I do yeah, have sorry. to get going. Yeah, but thanks. I want to say, uh, I, first of all, it's always a pleasure to see you, Rock, yeah. and uh, and you too, Gino. And the new uh, issue of Fighting Back is going to be available when. It, uh, it is available now. Uh, if you go to fightingbackforveterans.com, you can put your order in, um, and it'll be in the, um, that's the, it'll be in the Steeler stores uh, come um, August 10th. Required we'll reading for Steeler fans for everywhere, sure. <laughs> so we're going to make sure that uh, we'll push out uh, the link to this so people can get it uh, ordered ASAP, and I hope you'll come back and talk about your uh, being honored in the new Steelers Hall of Honor class of oh, 2018. We'll come. We'll we, do that. We kind we'll of ran back. out of time today. Yeah. No, we'll do that and we'll be fine, and we'll come back and we'll talk about Vietnam, too. Gene Collier, Rocky Blyer. Rock, I'll see you at the gym. Yeah. See you there. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having us. DVE Sports. Hey, we're broadcasting live from uh, Steelers training camp, St. Vincent <laughs> College in Lay Trobe. And Mike Pursuta is here. We're in a, a chapel. We are. Uh, sorts. Go to the chapel. And we're not getting married. Gonna do a radio show. And we're going to the Super Bowl and we're gonna get seven, seven. Mike wow, Pursuta with the that. sports right now. Let me tell you what, Mike. After watching that practice yesterday for about an hour and a half, I can say with supreme confidence, Steelers are going 16-0 this year. Yeah. 19. Unde- undefeated. 19. Well, well, before that. Forgot the postseason. No, I didn't. 
Sports Desire is brought to you by Mattress Firm. I know this because our uh, outstanding producer, Joe Rikiki, was sitting two feet away from me about 20 minutes ago, and he texted me the sponsor. That's smart. Yeah. Anything to avoid talking to you. I was sitting next to Joe, and my phone blinked, and it said, Joe Rikiki, 630, Mattress Firm. So there's that. Maybe he wanted to beat you there. <laughs> there's Which also, one, Joe? Which maybe it was one? a complaint about the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> there's also this. If the Steelers are going to go 16-0, and or if they're going to be better than they were a year ago, they have to be better defensively, right? It is have without question. And uh, the coordinator of that defense, Keith Butler, uh, has identified the guys that he is counting on. He's counting on all his guys to be better, but uh, there are some guys that in particular really need to, as Butler phrased it to me last week, stand up. Here's uh, Steelers defensive coordinator Keith Butler. Terrible guys that I've talked to. That I think there's there about four or five guys on our defense that's got to stand up. You know, he's just one of them. Two is one of them. You know, there's several other guys. SD needs to stand up. Artie needs to stand up. Uh, Bud needs to stand up. Uh, and Vince needs to stand up. I think all those guys, and I think all of them would tell you that after the, after the season, that's the, the way I felt. But I, 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 I wouldn't say that about them if I didn't think they were capable of doing it. They are capable of doing it. And uh, it's a matter of them just doing it. And if they do it, then we got a chance to be real good. I agree with them on that last part. If they do it, they have a chance to be real good. But what are the odds if all five guys really elevate their games? SD is Sean Davis who's now the free safety. Artie is cornerback Artie Burns. Uh, like Davis, he's going into his third year, and he's a former high pick. Uh, Vince Williams, an inside linebacker. Stephon Tuitt at defensive end. And Bud Dupree, now the right outside linebacker instead of the left outside linebacker. Tuitt had an injury-plagued season. I see why his year was down. Uh, I have full confidence that Tuitt's going to be a monster. You guys saw, you know, standing a few feet away from him, the size and his oh, ability he's a to, specimen. to move is is rare yeah with him it's a health issue just stay healthy yeah but the rest of these guys uh can they do it can enough of them do it to make a difference defensively let's start this hour with vince williams uh six-year pro uh former sixth round draft pick he was robin an inside linebacker to ryan shazier's batman but now without shazier williams has got to be batman and uh that's going to be uh a tall task to see if he can uh, elevate his role and his play. Vince Williams acknowledges that he has to do that, but he also acknowledges that he's not the only guy on defense that's got to pick it way up. Everybody got to stand up. Defense got to play better. Anything you want to do in particular this year that you couldn't, couldn't do last year? Got to stop the run better. Yeah, they know that uh, from uh, the two games against Jackson. But Williams is also going to try to be a leader this year more than he was a year ago, and he hopes that he's not the only guy that takes on those leadership uh, responsibilities and characteristics? I mean, probably. I think I'm probably the second most seasoned guy on the team on defense right now besides Ken Hayward, so I would think so. I feel like everybody can be a leader. You don't have to be an old guy to be a leader. I feel like being a leader is an attitude. It's not about how long you've been here. It's about what you add, your contribution to the team. Well, first and foremost, your contribution to the team. You Tough to you lead when you're the lead best special you teams player. Yeah. It's also a contract year for Vince Williams, so this would be a good year for him to pick it up because he would like another contract. Yeah, I want to die at Pittsburgh State. <laughs> Whoa. I always hear I mean, that. That's, that's a bit ambitious. Jeez. I don't think it's like the Pope. No. I don't, I don't think you, uh, you die in office on this one. Well, I'll tell you what. 
he's got to pick it up in a big way. He, and the problem is, is he's one of the guys that I think kind of pisses off the fans because he's a he's a loudmouth. You know, he's a self-admitted, he's a he's a brassy trumpet man. Trying you, to be less of that this year too. He said. He, he says. Yeah, he, I think he that'd be wanna... good for him. He's not good enough to be that loud. I mean, uh, you know, for lack of a better You're way, talking of saying about it. his Twitter presence. He, he uh, yeah. tweets it a lot. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like. And fans see that, and they're like, oh, you know, regardless of whatever point he might make, however salient it may be, fans react to that with, oh, yeah, well, how about you learn how to cover, you know, out in the flat or whatever, yeah. you know. They're well, he doesn't have to go to the flat, but you know what I mean. Well, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, he had said uh, shortly before training camp he, on Twitter, he said, I'm not going to tweet as much this year, and I'm not doing as many interviews. We talk too much. And then he was asked about that when he got here, and he said, well, that's just my opinion. You know, everybody can handle it the way they handle it, but I don't want to talk very much. And that was a, a, a group interview last week where those cuts came from, and most of the answers were yes, no, maybe. Good. And, you know, he was standing there kind of defiant, and he had to look, and uh, he wanted to be his. Joe Musgrove from the Pittsburgh Pirates joining us right now on the DVE Morning Show. Good morning, Joe. How are you, man? I'm doing phenomenal, guys. How you doing? Dude, how psyched are you? I mean, if your Twitter account is uh, any indication, you you, you got to be ecstatic about what went down yesterday. Yeah, I think our whole clubhouse is really excited, man. We've uh, we've been playing really good ball, and we want to win, and these guys uh, help us do that, so we're really excited. So let me ask you this. All right, so there was a big – we were all anticipating your availability with the Pirates, and, you know, once you get started, things start going great, and we have a lot of hope, and, and, and you're a guy that we're rooting for and we can count on, but it seems like there's a few missing parts, and then all of a sudden the GM comes out and says, well, it looks like optimism has turned to realism. Now – what was the team's reaction to those comments at the time? Did you guys like process those in like uh, the style of the movie Major League and said, "We got to do this, guys"? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I felt like it honestly started back in spring training. You know, we had a lot of confidence in the group we had coming in. Um, you know, and showing up this spring, it seemed the word I got from the guys that were there that had been here the past couple of years is that it was a different type feel. You know, the chemistry of the team and the bond that we had as a group and the trust we had in one another was. Um, was on another level, so you know I know there was a lot of uh, a lot of about how the season was going to go for us and where mm-hmm. we were going to end up at this point in the year, and um, you know we understood that it you know really only mattered between us players that we you know had trust in one another and that we would be able to get to this point and kind of force the hand to go grab a couple guys and, and make a run at this thing. So um, to us, I feel like it's kind of been our plan all along, and it's kind of nice to see it fall into place. That's the best part for the fans, what you just said. You forced their hand. They had to do this. You guys made them believe in you, and that's got to pay dividends going forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's, uh, it's a good bond that you create between you and your management and stuff, you know, and it seems like everyone's on the same page and everyone's pulling for the same thing. So let me ask you, how do you envision Clint Hurdle utilizing all of these new assets? Uh, it, it, in particular, uh, uh, with Kella in there, uh, with four guys, are you worried at all about a scenario where you're dealing aces and he's going to go, well, no, we got three guys to go seven, eight, nine, so you're done? No, I mean, it, it, I think it takes a little pressure off a starter, I guess, to not have to worry about going seven. But, um, you know, we, we're out there competing. We're going to take the ball as long as they'll let us have it. But um, I think we're a little more comfortable giving the ball up when you got an extra arm back there that's, you know, a hard-throwing righty with some nasty secondary stuff. So, um, you know, I think it. I think it opens a lot of doors and gives us a lot of opportunities to to mix the seven, eight, nine roll and night set Felipe's down. You got Crick and Kellen now that can close out the game. You got a new eighth inning guy you can have in there if 
Crick needs a day. So I think it gives us a lot of a lot of different opportunities. Joe, we had your teammate Corey Dickerson on uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, one of the things he talked about was that uh, 14 and 31 stretch you guys endured. And he said you have to learn from your failures in baseball uh, before you can really have success. Do you do you buy into that? And what do you learn uh, when you're when you're struggling? Yeah, hundred percent. It's tough, you know. And you talk about momentum being such a big thing in baseball, and it can be contagious and it can be cancerous at the same time. Um, you know, when things are going well, it seems like everyone's feeding off one another, and when we can't seem to win a game, it seems like everyone's trying to do a little bit too much to be the guy to pull us out of it. So. Um, you know, you do you do got to just try to bite down and keep grinding and moving forward and try to get through the tough times, you know, as a team. And you start to learn a lot about your team through those times. And, and you're uh, on the other you know, side of that now. You're out of it. and, and Absolutely. Presumably and the group is stronger having gone through it. Yeah, absolutely. And every team runs through a stretch like that throughout a season. Ours lasted a little longer than we would have liked it to, but – um, you know, we got out to a really hot start, and we're playing good ball now. So you just got to try and ride these waves as long as you can. How uh, how big of a hit is it though to to lose Glass now, a guy that you probably saw as a young pitcher with a lot of potential? Uh, it's a good move for him, but I, I'm sure you guys would have liked to see him realize that potential in a pirate uniform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got a special arm, and he's um, one of the best best athletes I've been around. Um, so he brings a lot to the table, but. Um, you know, it is a business, and we understand that. You know, it's tough, you know, not, not only to lose him as a player, but you think about the, you know, the friend that you lose him and the brother that you're losing. Um, and he's been one of my close buddies since I came over to the Pirates. So it's it's a tough it's a tough loss, but, you know, it, it's a good move for him. I know he's going to get a chance to go back on the starting rotation, which is where I think he ultimately belongs. But I had a similar path as him, so I was telling him, you know, I, I came over from Houston where I used to be a starter and I got moved to the bullpen for the last half of the year. And I think going to the bullpen was the best thing that could have happened to me for my career as a starter. You know, you learn a lot about yourself down there. You learn how to pitch in tough situations, how to get big league hitters out when you need to. Um, you learn really how to use your stuff. And I think it's going to be a great move for him. So, um, you know, it's kind of bittersweet, but uh, we're really excited for him. Do you think, you know, there's there's a bit of a transition. You know, some teams have different philosophies for pitching when you switch ball clubs, uh, and that can pose a bit of an obstacle for some people. Do, do you think with with Archer and Kayla coming in here, they're going to have to do any sort of adapting, or are they ready to fit into the Pirates pitching philosophy from the get-go? Yeah, I mean, I think those guys have almost established their way of pitching and their style already. Um, so I don't see them coming over here and, I don't see Ray and Uke and the guys really doing a whole lot to change what they're doing. I think at this point you just kind of adopt what their um, what their methods are. And as time goes on, you know, you throw in things I think that you feel unnecessary. But I think with guys like this, you don't really have to change a whole lot. You know, they'll see how we throw and they'll see you know what works in this league and and kind of adapt as they move as they move on. I guess. Uh, we're, we're talking with Joe Musgrove right now. Joe, what is your favorite pirate uniform? I like the blacks. The blacks are my All blacks. I seem to keep getting stuck in these yellow ones on Sundays. Yeah, you're getting you're getting you're getting the pillbox, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like the black ones though. Uh, I mean, I mean, all of our uniforms are really good, and our home whites are really nice. It's, but uh, I'm a fan of black look. You know, you get stuck in those yellow ones because they won the World Series wearing those, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> But I just don't understand why we choose to wear them on the hottest day of the week. It's a day game every time. 
Uh, Joe, one question that I do have to ask you is how you really feel about having Stephen Brault take your sister to the high school dance back in San Diego. <laughs> it was funny. Actually, we had a talk yesterday at a signing we were at, but, uh, but I had close eyes on him. I went with one of my sister's friends and, you know, with my sister. Me and Steve were both younger. I think Steve was a junior and I was a sophomore. So, uh, my sister and her friend were seniors, so we went with both of them just kind of as a, a friendly group. So it was, uh, it was harmless. Okay. He wasn't like trying to sing to her or anything like that? No, 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 no. I Knock that right out of him right away. <laughs> well, uh, Joe, uh, I tell you what, Pirate fans haven't been this excited in a long time, and I think you guys are going to see the ballpark filled once again. You know, they've never really left. The television ratings have been huge. Did you guys ever consider that when uh, there were nights when the ballpark could have used a few more butts in the seats? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I know it was freezing at the, at the beginning half of the season, so that was um, kind of expected, I guess. But um, you know, I, I learned it with, with Houston last year, making the special run that we did. The games, the games hold so much more value when there's you know thirty thousand, forty thousand people in the stands cheering you on every night. Um, it takes more than just the nine guys on the field to get through it. And a lot of the, a lot of the things that come with home field advantage are uh, are huge contributors to that. So hopefully, we have the product that these people have been looking for for. You know, for a while, and um, we're playing really good ball, so there's no better time to get out to the park than right now. The Gatorade ones are legendary. Yeah, that's different. Is it in you? <laughs> which is well, a weird say, which slogan. Is really? How did that get out of the marketing room? <laughs> Guys, here's my slogan. Is it in you? <laughs> Just some, it was like a creepy guy in the corner. Yeah. Not Rick, is it in uh, yet. I don't yeah. know. I mean, <laughs> if it would have come from anybody else. Is it in yet? I don't think that's a good one, Bill. How about leave it in? Oh, no, you know what? No, uh, it's that's still Rick. Gatorade. Pull it in. Let it sit there for a little. <laughs> leave it in forever. Let it simmer. Let it just let it lay there a little bit till it goes flat. Yeah, exactly. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. We are broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Lake yeah. Trail, the TV morning show, Randy Bauman, along with Bill Crawford, Mike Pursuit of Val Porter. And we came up yesterday after the show, hung out for practice during the afternoon uh, sessions. Team looks good. Steeler fans, team looks worry. real good. No worries. My one 16 day. and 0 is your guys' assessment? Yeah, yeah. 16 and 0. Easy. Regular uh, season. We're not talking postseason. No, yet. no. That's uh, all contingent on injury, as far as I'm con- concerned. Uh, the postseason success, that is. Um, but uh, we had a blast there, and then we went to Sharky's with our Be Like Mike winner. By the way, the Be Like Mike winner, Don... Uh, Bovard. Bovard. <laughs> Dan. Dan Bovard. He was great. <laughs> oh, yeah, his, those guys were hilarious. And his buddy had a shirt on. That, it was so funny. It was a picture of like a, a naked, like chubby dude. It was on, his buddy. Uh, on a motorcycle and I'm like who's that and he's like it's me and I'm like that's awesome do you have any more and that he had a an aggressive box full shirt. of t-shirts so. us all one. Yeah, yeah we were all going to wear them this I morning except we're doing the show in a chapel this morning <laughs> and we felt and like it might have been slightly inappropriate yeah. but yeah no Dan Bovard was great and uh, his buddy and they had a table full of clowns at Sharky's last night those guys were all hilarious and uh, Mike and, uh, and uh, Bob Labriola doing the live from Latrobe show from Sharky's last night, you put our own Bill Crawford on that program. That was that was uh, that was a lot of fun, man. It was. My only uh, regret with that contest is the uh, 
tube socks to the knee thing. Uh, that did, that's not that wasn't supposed to. You be. You feel like that's a misrepresentation? It was it's absolutely a misrepresentation. It was. Yeah. And our winner Dan Bartosz made a point of emphasizing Bobart. that part of it. Yeah, I know that was. Yeah. And uh, you know I'm, that was a bit exaggerated. I'm not stylish, but I'm not that bad. No, I know, but that's actually stylish. Now people are actually wearing their socks yeah. pulled up now. Well, the kids which, are doing so, that, Mike. Which so, means it's. So I'm not even wearing socks today. No, but if you did, they would probably have elastic that was that was given out a little bit, and they'd be about mid-calf, not pulled up to the knee. Yeah, and I, even when I do wear socks, I have the little small ones. Oh, you do, do you do he the ankles? Footies. Do you do yeah. footies or do you do the over footies. the ankles? No. There's no way he has footies. Uh, there's, I have one pair of footies. I used to – I got a pair of, like, loafer slash boat yeah. shoes on. yeah. And I used to try to wear the footies with these, but they don't stay on me for yeah. some reason. They right. just ball up and it becomes. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with the footies. Yeah. yeah. So I just said, all right. I have mm-hmm. a, I have the under ankle cut, Screw which it. I like. Those will hang around, right? Oh, yeah. But the footy ones where they kind of stop at the arch of your foot on top and then they just come around the ankle a little bit. Uh-huh. Those are, just hug those are dicey. You could lose half one of those. You could be Easy. going. Yeah, you, I, I had those on yesterday coming down for practice, and I got two soakers on the field because it was really wet yesterday. It was uh, slushy out there, soggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was fun to watch Ben Roethlisberger taking reps. He looks thin. Yeah, that's what I said. He's now, trim. and uh, Val, I said to Ed Bouchette, Ben looks skinny, and uh, Ed Bouchette goes, whoa, let's pump, not go there. The brakes on that. And I said, well, comparatively – he looks skinny, mm-hmm. and he said, uh, you know, something akin to, like, how about uh, less uh, husky or something like that? Less, you know? He looks less husky. No, but he does look thin and agile, and I was talking to a couple of the scouts who said he's been bopping around in camp like it's 2005. Yeah, you know, I, I did the one-on-one with him when he got here, and the part of that that really resonated with me was when he said, I get here and the battery gets charged. I'm still driven. I still want to be great. Right. Which... All right, maybe that seems a, an obvious assumption to some, but he's in his 15th year now, and sometimes guys don't have quite the enthusiasm that they had when they were younger, but he has thrown the ball through a wall. Uh, the rollouts and the bootlegs and the scrambling, it, it, it almost seems as if at certain times he's emphasizing, look, I can still do this. Right? Oh, yeah, I saw him and scrambling yesterday a few times. One of the things he told me in that one-on-one interview, which I believe is available on dve.com, right, Joe? Can, can you text me and let me know if that's available? Uh he said in that Jacksonville playoff game, even though they lost, he made plays with his legs that convinced him he's still right where he needs to be. Uh-oh. And his game is still there. Uh-oh. He looks so, like a young man. He's a, and a couple days Todd Haley's gone and the horse is out of the barn. <laughs> and a couple days ago, the receivers were just screwing up. They were having one of those days as a collective group. And uh, at one point, he let them all know that it was unacceptable. He wasn't happy with it. I mean, he's letting them have it. Dad said he'll turn this car around. You know, he's just he's always in control out here. He's always working with guys after reps and, and doing little things, but he, he seems particularly uh, engaged this year. Val's got news for you. we got more broadcasting live from Steelers training camp here all morning long. Tomorrow morning, we're going to bring you more interviews with players and coaches as we'll uh, be out here for the better part of the, uh, the, the morning and afternoon. St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Boy, it gets nicer every year out here, the facilities. Yeah, I I love it out here. You you look around and you got the the it's mountains beautiful. and the, the scenery and the yeah. the steeples and uh, the, Monks. the the buildings here. Uh, it's just so pastoral. Uh, it's relaxing when you're not down on the field. 
Right. It's very peaceful. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, especially that, early in the morning, they had the Christmas lights up as we came. I was like, yeah. that's perfect. It feels like Christmas morning. Yeah. All right. What's going on over there? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Bozier. It's 65 degrees at DVE up Val Porter. CBS is hiring two law firms to investigate sexual misconduct allegations against Chairman and CEO Les Moonves. CBS's board of directors says it takes the accusations seriously and will act in the best interest of its shareholders. The New Yorker published an article last week in which six women claim Moonves sexually harassed them. Moonves admitted in a statement there were times decades ago when he may have made some women uncomfortable by making advances. And his name has been removed from a media center at UP uh, at USC, rather the University of Southern California. Statement says Moonves and his wife asked that their names be temporarily removed until that investigation concludes. In much more pleasant news, the Big Mac is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and the Big Mac Museum is right down the road here on uh, Route 30 in Irwin, right off the Turnpike. And to celebrate, Sean McDowell going to be broadcasting live from the McDonald's Big Mac Museum. He'll be there 3 to 7 today. Nice. And uh, everyone who stops by between 3 and 7 will be registered to win a pair of tickets to both Steelers preseason home games. All right, cool. What time is he going to be there today? He'll be be there 3 to 7. Good deal. Well, that'll be perfect. We could stop on our way back from Lake Trobe. Yes. Roll right through there. Sean will be... Broadcasting live and drop by and have a Big Mac with Sean. Yeah. The uh, the one and only Camp Hayward joining us hey, right now on the DVE morning show. What's up, man? He's getting morning. his uh, headset put on there. Dude, early. Early, early bird. It's because you're a dad. No, yeah. it's because I had a pee test. Oh, did you really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you would, if you didn't have, have to take a pee test this morning, you wouldn't have got up this early? No, I would have probably been still sleeping. <laughs> when do they tell you you have to do it? Uh, literally at like 5.30. Oh, no kidding? Yeah, so I've been up since then. So I was like, let me just go ahead and get a workout in. So oh. what, they just come knocking on your door? Mm-hmm. Like they're serving <laughs> you a subpoena. <laughs> well, I heard them knocking on somebody else's door, and I thought it was my door. And they were like, oh, we'll just get you later. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'm already up. I'm just going to go ahead and do so it. So is a team official do it? NFL official, NFLPA? Who, who's in charge of that? Uh... I don't know. Just a guy at the dorms at St. Vincent. Are you sure that it was hey, involved with the NFL? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, I'm just a fan. I, uh, this might have just been a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen him before, so. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, camp Hayward, uh, how many camps is this for you? This is my eighth camp. All right. So Ben, the other day, is like, I did the math, and I've been here a year out of my life. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so who who has that much time to think about? This has been a year out of my life. Your quarterback, <laughs> but he, uh, so now you've had eight months out here, and right. uh, I was just saying like things get nicer and nicer out here. Like the facilities, it get, it is nicer. They do. Like it was a lot cruddier back in the day, and like I yeah. felt like the Rooney's always kept it like you know Spartan conditions to kind of like toughen you guys up. Mm-hmm. And now they have like you know there's. Uh, there's like nice amenities everywhere you go, but that's how it should be in the NFL. <laughs> well, uh, I was just thinking about it. We were talking about it like a couple, like a, as soon as we got here. Um, we used to be in Bonaventure, mm-hmm. the dorm next door. Right. And they had no AC. Oh, <laughs> so Ooh. that's definitely been a step up. Right. And uh, there's been obviously a lot of things been done in the weight room, and the fields have changed. I don't think they had turf back then. No. So. <laughs> no, they had like two fields, and they just like I can't imagine Mike back in the day when Chuck Noll was the coach here, and it would get super muddy. Then the field was just trashed for a long time, probably right. 
Right, and then yeah, they just got money. Yeah. yeah. They, they didn't go to They look. didn't have Garrett Guimont controlling the fields and keeping keeping, you know, great care of the fields because now if it rains, we tarp it until practice. Yeah. I don't think they did that back then. No. They had the blowers out. Yeah. Getting them ready and it's <laughs> you know almost what? like it's a stadium. It is. It is. They take very good care of it for 3 weeks we're here. You know what else they didn't do back then? What? They didn't show up in helicopters. <laughs> what did you think about AB's arrival at camp? And uh, also, and what did you show up in? Because you were throwing nothing. that out there on Twitter. I, I, I was messing around. Okay, especially when you see AB, you're like, yeah, that takes all the pressure off of me. I can yeah. just walk in and <laughs> get settled in my room while yeah. everybody's looking at AB. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I did mention to you taking a hot air balloon wouldn't be a bad idea. Right. But uh, I think at this point you have to go Zeppelin. Someone needs to, <laughs> you have to go straight blimp. Eh. I think that's a little dicey. I think you're, you're way too big of a man to be in a basket. Yeah. But I was thinking about coming in one of those Fisher-Price cars and just come rolling <laughs> down the hill. That would be a bad idea. It would be hilarious. Did, uh, now, what did you think of Vince Williams' Stone Cold in, uh, like walk out? It was pretty good. I, I was very impressed by the jacket he had going with yeah. it and everything. Mm. I was like, did your kids make that or did you? <laughs> um, but did you go to Michael's, get some puffy paint? <laughs> what happened? I don't know, but uh, I don't know what he's going to do to top that next year. So he just set the bar really high. I just want to know what he did when he was huffing and puffing and he walked into the dorm room. <laughs> he's like, let's make this the bed now. Put the sheets on. Like, you can't be a tough guy when you're, like, you know, no. putting sheets on a, right. on a bed. And he's throwing his bags all over the place. Right. <laughs> I'm going to hang these... These shirts up. I don't want them to wrinkle. It's and not- you can't be crushing beers. Right. right. He's got here. crushed two Gatorades. Right. <laughs> spill all over the place. Now, back in the day, I remember like those, uh, like Bettis and those guys would have these huge TVs brought into their room. Do you, do right. you guys even mess with that now? Does everyone just use laptops, iPads? and? I think everybody rents a TV here. Um, I think we use court furniture. So, oh, really? Yeah. Everybody gets like a TV, uh, a bed. Um, get the little dorm fridge. Yeah. You gotta have the, the dorm fridge. If you don't, you're you're in the wrong wrong sport. That's what the vets do. The rookies get screwed. But uh, how many times? Like, do you constantly replenish your fridge? Is like every time you leave the cafeteria, you're like, "Yep, I'm taking that, 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 and that." I well, I've gotten bad because now I use Amazon and I just get them to uh-huh. ship me up stuff. Jeff Bezos <laughs> just delivers yes. to you. Yes, I get the essential waters and it's fully stocked all the time. Oh man, that's beautiful. A drone arrival to camp somehow would be good. Maybe you could have Amazon actually deliver you to camp. Nation. Yeah, that'd I mean, be great. If we get the hub here. Amazon it's, Prime, dude. Right. Come on. That's perfect. Dude. Nickname 2018. Amazon Prime. All right. New year. And uh, coming off the end of last year, mm-hmm. the, the, the last game of, uh, of the season was not the best defensive effort. And, right. and, and we talked about this with you before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with Stefan Tuitt being healthy and coming right. back and feeling confident with a new sort of s- scheme, mm-hmm. some new uh, uh, coaches involved in the defense, right. what can Steeler fans expect from the 2018 Steel Curtain? I would say uh, just more consistency. Um, you know, I think we had a decent year last year, but you'd have those inconsistencies where – um, have a great game, then fall back off, and mm-hmm. you know we put it back on the offense. Um, I think we're looking for more consistency in our, our run defense, um, being more stout, uh, but still having the still the splash plays that we did because mm-hmm. I think that was huge for us throughout the year, um, and just keep improving. You know, you yeah. get guys like T.J. Watt who have another year under their belt, uh, Javon Hargrave. Um, 
we don't know who's going to be that second linebacker in with Vince yet. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Big Red got a chance at that? He does. Not Big he does. Red. He's dirty. Dirty Red. Sorry, Big Red was Allen. Big Red. But. Big Red. Big, big, is it Dirty Red? Oh, yeah, red Big Red. Big Red. Allen Panica. Yeah. yeah. It's also dirty a brand red. of chewing gum. Uh, I'm aware. <laughs> but Dirty Red is not a brand of chewing gum. No. I hope not. It would no. be a poor seller. Yes, yeah. it would. <laughs> uh, but Cam, when you watched the games last year as mm-hmm. the season ended uh, throughout the playoffs, you right. mentioned your defense was inconsistent. Mm-hmm. But everybody got lit up that right. was in the top. I mean, it eventually happened to Jack. You guys scored Jack, a lot yeah. on Jacksonville. Jacksonville got lit up, too, that game. They, Minnesota we got, got lit up. Philadelphia made one play in the Super Bowl right. on defense. I mean, is that what it's going to be now in the NFL? Hey, we'll, we'll try to get that one strip sack right. in the fourth quarter. So we get the ball back and they don't score. I, only time will tell. But, you know, during the season, I thought defenses, you know, really lit up offenses where, you know, most people were down in points. And in the um, playoffs, it just changed. I know. It, it was complete shell shock when you think about it. But, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, there's a fine line in the NFL where so many plays can be dictated by such little detail. Um, and I think uh, – it only takes one play to change a game on offense or defense. So whoever takes advantage of those moments is going to win those games. And it could be one play, two play, three plays. Uh, you just got to find those plays to win. So we've heard the D-backs say that going against Antonio Brown and all of these wideouts, mm-hmm. iron sharpens iron. It's really made them a lot better. Right. Are, are you guys suffering because Le'Veon Bell isn't here? No, because we have a great offensive line. Um, we get to compete against them every day. Obviously, Le'Veon's a different type of back where um, he's a lot more patient. Um, but I think James Conner is doing a great job right now. But, uh, you know, going against our offensive line week, week every day, uh, you appreciate it because you know Pouncey's going to give 110%. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Ramon's down, but, you know, Finney's filling in and getting his reps. He was still, well, he's, well, you, so you and you Finney get after a little, yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's just part of the job. Uh, you know, sometimes tempers flare, and you gotta set everybody straight. Seems How- like they always flare when Finney's around. <laughs> <laughs> well, Finney was already mad because he jumped off sides, so he kept pushing after the play. I was like, Finney, you can't get mad when you already jumped off sides. You messed up. <laughs> just deal with it. You're such a reasonable trash talker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Coming one of that the very few that I've been shot. reasonable, and I was like, wow, I actually sound smart talking right now. <laughs> Hey, Cam, you, I'm sure, heard uh, all the commentaries and opinions in the offseason. Uh, James mm-hmm. Harrison was the most recent. People are questioning the way the Steelers go about their business. Mm-hmm. What would your response to that be? Keep questioning because we don't care, <laughs> um, honestly, because – No, you've heard this stuff, right? You guys right. are late to meetings. You're right. not on point. You, lo- you overlooked Jacksonville. That's why you lost. You were thinking about New England all year. Did we? Our offense scored – 42 points. Only the defense played bad. So, so it's uh, just you right. guys looking ahead. <laughs> I guess so. But, you know, I know all, this, all the uh, time we all put in. Um, you know, obviously we didn't play well, and that's one game. But I don't think we ever overlooked anybody. Um, you know, when there was plenty of comments made throughout the season about, you know, we need to focus on this game, this game. Uh, but I know what those guys put in day in and day out about what they need to do. Um, and getting their bodies ready, um, you know, you you just didn't execute well, and that's part of the game. And um, when you fall short, you you take ownership of it. But uh, to say that we weren't prepared enough and that we have too many distractions is beside the point. Because when I look in the locker room, 
that never affected, you know, how guys went about their business. Um, you know, if, if it got out of hand, trust me, I would have handled it. I was going to say that was my next follow-up. If things do get off course a little bit, do you look to Mike Tomlin, the position coach, a leader such as yourself, or is it up to the guy to at I, some point take responsibility? I look at myself and say, have I talked to this guy? And, you know, are we all on the same uh, page? You know, I think Ben does the same where um, – you know, he holds more of the offense uh, accountable. And, you know, I've seen him grab A.B. before and, and talk to him and make sure they're both on the same page. Uh, and defensive-wise, I've always – Did you hear him barking the other day? Yeah. You know, that, that's just what you do. Um, you know, and it's not, you know, being condescending or, you know, putting a guy down, but, you know, making sure you guys are communicating and making sure you guys understand what you need to do uh, on and off the field. Uh, and then I have the special teams, too, so I get to keep Chris Boswell in, in order as well. <laughs> so uh, I would like to point out that uh, Cam was uh, early for his uh, interview this morning by at least four minutes. Early. There you go. Was that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is correct. Yeah. No, that was good. Oh, Very I good. thought it was late. No, no, you were fine. And I want to remind everybody that you're going to be joining us again for the 2018 season. I will. Uh, we don't have a name. It's not the Cam Hayward show. We're not saying that. You're just a, your weekly guest, but if you'd like to <laughs> – Name the segment, you know, it's cool. Oh, no, are we doing I, this again? I, I don't know what to name us. Yep. Uh, the Camazon. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Camazon Prime. Prime. <laughs> I like that. Camazon Prime Time. There you yeah, go. There we go. Uh, we, we, we didn't settle on Carry On My Hayward Son. No. <laughs> a little too long. It is, uh, it's thematic. Well, you know, you consistent. bring the whole Ironhead thing sure. into it. And, yeah. yeah. Hey, that was cool. I saw someone brought a, a Pitt jersey yeah. out last week, one of your dad's jerseys. Yeah, and I just found out he was a Patriots fan, too. So that was. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Whoa. He just showed up to camp and he had my dad's jersey. And then he left, so he wasn't really concerned with what we were doing. It was one of those sweet halves. <laughs> it was one of those sweet half jerseys, like yeah. the netted. Well, you look at the jersey, and you're like, is this a practice jersey? But yeah. then they have, like, the name on the back and everything. And yep. I'm like, wow. Times have changed how much time they put in these jerseys now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, it the, was it the mesh, too? Because he used yes. to go through oh, yeah. many a game. Right. Because all the arm tackling, he just ripped through it. Oh, there's plenty of rips in that jersey as well. Do you have much of his stuff? I do. I uh, I got his high school jersey. Um, I just got uh, – he got a park named after him this offseason. So I went up to New Jersey to receive it and uh, – I mean to, you know, uh, help open the park. And then I received his high school football where he broke all these records um, from the captain on the force of the police up there. So it was cool. I've been getting stuff here and there. Um, I just got the old uh, popsicle stick picture. Uh, someone just gave that to me. I, my grandpa just gave it to me. So I'm starting to collect more and more stuff of this as the years pass. And you're aware by now what a force he was at Pitt. Yeah. And I, I, I find little videos here and there, and I'm like, wow, I haven't seen this yet. And uh, it's crazy. Um, I always catch the college stuff, but now I'm starting to get more of the pro stuff as I get older. It's really cool. Cam Hayward, live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Hey, man, thanks for uh, making time for us this morning after you yeah. the P test. And uh, <laughs> we're going to conduct our own here. In the, in the, yeah, yeah. The, do I need to do P test for all you guys? Yeah, we're going to do one in the commercial <laughs> yeah. break here really hey, could quick. Could you sign the cup? Anyways, <laughs> I don't want to be too big of a fan. Thanks very much, man. Appreciate, Appreciate your time you this morning. Have. Live from Steelers Training Camp on the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. Broadcasting live from St. Vincent College in Latrobe, it's Pittsburgh Steelers training camp. What year is this for you? 32nd? 32nd. Wow. 
17th on DVE. 17th here. Amazing. Mike Pursuta with a sports update for you right now on DVE. That is amazing. It's actually more than half of them now. That's crazy, Mike. Where did the time go? How many years have they been in Latro? This is 53. Oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we had a blast hanging out yesterday at practice, doing the Sharkies run late at night. You guys got the full full boat. Uh, full boat, buddy. Bucket list. On the field for the tackling drills. Yeah, Bill did great in that. <laughs> Sharkies Better than for I the... Yeah, I didn't think you were going to hold up, especially without pads. Broke both my legs. I know. But it was worth it. Worth it. Sharkies for the show last night, and now here we are doing the show from the chapel. This has got to help yeah, we're hanging is, out in the chapel? Yeah, this is going to have a residual effect on our program, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's time for all of us to repent. Yes. Or at least reflect. Sure. This is a very reflective place. Well, reflect your ass on that sports report, <laughs> would you? we got to get going. Sports is brought to you by Citizens Bank. Uh, you heard from Keith Butler last hour, if you were listening. If you did not, he's identified five guys that have to, in his words, stand up. Now, we just said Cam Hayward. Butler did not include Cam Hayward. Obviously, Cam Hayward's got to play well. Right. But it's a given that he's going to. Yeah. You know, there, there are some guys who have established track records. There are some guys that there have been expectations that have not yet been met. And if the Steelers are going to be better defensively, they really need to be met. And uh, one of the, the Butler five, if you will, we heard from Vince Williams last hour. This hour, let's give a listen to how Artie Burns reacts to being identified as a guy who's got to pick it up. Third year, former number one pick. Time to get it done a little more consistently. Uh, or a lot more consistently than it's gotten done in the past. And uh, Artie Burns is well aware of who he is and uh, what's expected. Yeah, definitely, you know, the expectations with that, you know, so uh, I got to live up to it. I just got to get better, you know, there's no pressure, you know. Uh, I, I joined this sport, to, you know, to be the best, you know. I got to keep working to be the best, you know. I go against AB every day, you know, he helped me with that every day. Yeah, we've, uh, we've talked about that. This is the third year now, third training camp, that it's not exclusive that they're going at each other in the – in the position drills or an 11 on 11 play, but they line up against each other a lot. And uh, Artie Burns got third degree his rookie year. It was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Last year it was better. This year it's pretty competitive. He's got two interceptions, one off Landry Jones and one off Ben Roethlisberger uh, while going against Antonio Brown. And uh, one of the reasons why is this year with Joe Hayden in camp for the first time. Hayden joined the Steelers right before the regular season last year, but this year, uh, Artie Burns has a chance to learn not just from Artie Burns or from hey, Antonio me. Brown, a great wide receiver, but Joe Hayden, a very accomplished cornerback. Having a veteran guy in your room that got to the level that everybody wanted to get to, you know, you kind of sit back and think like, oh, that guy, you know, he he's there. So what can I learn from him to get to that point? You know, and that would that's that's what Joe's doing for us. You know, he helping us. You know, he help us on certain situations situations he's already been put in to help us out and be like, yo, you could do it like this or you could do it like that. You know, that's what he's been doing for us. Now, I mentioned those two interceptions uh, for Burns. Sometimes a DB gets a pick, uh, such as the one when Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown were not on the same page the other day. Roethlisberger threw the ball to where there was nobody there, and, and Terrell Edmonds was playing safety, the number one pick, and he just saw it, kind of ran under it like a punt and caught it. Sometimes they overthrow and it just hits the DB right in between the numbers, uh, Artie Burns has made two plays breaking on the ball, cutting under a route at just the right time and picking it off before it gets to the receiver. He said he's starting to get a handle on when you can and cannot try to make such a play. 
you can feel the speed of the receiver, you know, and uh, and during the time of the play, you know, a, t uh, a play only can go for so long, you know. So once you just figure out that timing of it, you know, that's when you pick a chance to, you know, make a play on the ball. I mean, that's just kind of playing football on your own, you know, just, you know, just reps and, and muscle memory, just being able to be put in those positions a lot of times and just making plays on the ball. Really important, Artie Burns plays better this year than he did last year. And I love that he has the whole camp to spend with Hayden. I saw, I saw him yesterday. He's like a professor on the sidelines. And that's, you know, one of the reasons they love coming up here is you saw what's going on on the field. Nobody sees them in the dorm at night. Uh, Mike Tomlin talks a lot about you spend so much time and you have conversations that you would. If they're back in Pittsburgh, they work at the south side, then everybody goes their separate yeah. way at the end of the workday. Up here, you, you go to the evening meal together. You go to a meeting. You hang out after uh, the meeting. Uh, you're, you're in the room with a guy. It, uh, the Steelers think it's invaluable. That's why they're entrenched here. A lot of teams have uh, million-dollar practice facilities, and they use those for training camp, but it's just another day at the office. This, this is a different time for the Steelers, and they think an important time. That's why Ben kind of made a big deal about Le'Veon not being here last year. Yeah. And I think this year that's sort of like, all right, well, we're not going to make as much noise about it, but it's a big deal. This is a total immersion, team-building, bonding time that you just can't get back. Yeah. One of the things Kevin Colbert said uh, was Bell was a pro bowler last year, but Colbert thinks if he had been in camp, he could have been a better pro bowler. Um, it, it's without question that they're, they'd be better off if he was here. The reality of the situation being that this is a business – this is a business decision. If you are uh, Le'Veon Bell, you do not want to come to camp. You don't want to increase. There's no the, strip clubs here. That's I mean, true. That's, that's a that's one glaring problem. One big problem. He'd have to go out to a cow farm and <laughs> hope for the best. I guess. Sounds like he already did that based on the way you guys were <laughs> cow farm. Yeah, that was you a didn't good see one. It? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. You I have not that. seen that video. Well, you no. So, it. by the way, it was explained to me last night, uh, Val, by somebody who is in the know that that is while we are saying, "Oh my God, he he should do better than that." That that is in Miami, supposedly. That's the deal. That's like grade A. Wow. Yes. Chunky. He said that. <laughs> that what? Think what, you bought her an omelet afterward? No, that was only me. <laughs> and that was in Orlando. She would have ordered two. She, <laughs> she probably would have. With no a side doubt. of meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, so apparently that was like... Um, Prime. Yeah, we're just not in the know that, that uh, huh. the kids today... Uh, they like what, it dimply. They like a big... Uh, a big... Uh, Reality. Maybe one big, of us They like a big trunk. blocker in front. Yeah. yeah. Maybe one of us should text Joe and find out if that's the case. <laughs> I'm getting a text. No, he said it's not. Our producer Joe, who is five feet away from us, mm -hmm. but still texts things because why talk? I think it's more efficient. Yes. I'm with you, Joe. But Le here's the thing. Lev's not coming to camp. He's not. And he's never going to be a Steeler after this year. He won't. That makes a very weird dynamic in it, the huddle. It does, but as Pouncey pointed out upon his arrival, even if he's not going to be here, he's got to have a great season. To impress to go get that money. his eventual <clears throat> yeah. suitor. So, uh, yeah, they, they got, through it. To go they got through it last year. Hey, they didn't they didn't lose to Jacksonville because Le'Veon Bell was awful. I mean. No, he had two touchdowns. He did show up an hour late to the game and missed the walkthrough the day before. But he still did, you know, pretty good. 
Yeah, that's not uh, – their focus is not on that kind of stuff. Um, so it's almost like you have to think of him like the field. <laughs> you know, or like it's just – or like some a part of the equipment. Just like, oh, here's the robot we're plugging in here. It has to be like free of emotional – Connection, it does. You can't be pissed about it, and uh, you can't be thrilled thinking he's the savior. Just it is. It's a cog. It's, it just happens to be an all-pro cog. It's this season. It's right now, and this is what's available. And see what will become of it. I think you know. I, I understand people are probably livid with him right now. When he starts scoring touchdowns and running the ball, they'll be fine. Oh, he still pisses me off. All right, Val's got a news update for you coming up top of the hour. I'm uh, going to hopefully get to that story about the why you should not let your dog lick you. We'll be talking uh, more Steelers with uh, general manager Kevin Colbert, or is it president of football operations? I no, it's GM. No, they it used to be director of operations. That was they it. changed Okay, and uh, Gene Collier is also going to be stopping by to uh, hang out with us. We, he was on the show yesterday. We didn't get a chance to really uh, talk too much with him with that, that great segment we had with Rocky Blyer yesterday. The reissue of Fighting Back is a Available now and proceeds from the sale of that reissued book, which includes a foreword from Alejandro Villanueva. All the proceeds going to a uh, series of different veterans groups. So good stuff there. That's awesome. Uh, Thanks to our Be Like Mike contest winner. Dan Bovard, who was uh, here last (laughs) night with us as we broadcast live. Well, as Mike was broadcasting live from Sharkies. And uh, we're going to continue. party hat. Tomorrow's show will be more from Steelers training camp as we're going to continue to collect interviews here all day long, broadcasting live from Steelers training camp, St. Vincent College in Lake Trobe, on your home of the black and gold, 102.5 DVE. It's the DVE Morning Show. We're broadcasting live from Steelers training camp, St. Vincent College in Lake Trobe. And uh, yesterday we came up and uh, we're hanging out at practice and uh, watching uh, the team go at it there. And as Bill and I were kind of like uh, shadowing Mike Pursuta as he did his job. Yeah, we were trying to be like Mike. Yeah, Val got up uh, a, a little bit later on and joined us for like the last part of practice. But the part uh, that blew me away more than anything was, you know, it was cool to watch like uh, the goal line drills and stuff. and, and uh, Seven shots. Is that oh, the, yeah. Yeah. That's Where fun. They, they try to get the two-point conversion. Yeah, yeah. they're throwing fades and... Seven plays, every, every practice starts that way. So that was pretty cool. Um, seeing uh, the, the blocking drills, Jesse James was doing a great job there. Coach Tomlin praising Chickala at one point. That, it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of people noticed that yesterday. Oh, yeah, Jesse that has James been, can block. That has not been uttered often here in Jesse James' tenure. <laughs> Quote, he did great in the blocking drills. But he really did. I know it, it was. He, there, a lot of people noticed that yesterday, and he caught everything that came his way yesterday uh, as well. I thought he was—he uh, had a hell of a practice. Uh, one guy who did not have a great practice was the young kid who you said was lighting it up before that, the uh, free agent guy, eighty-three, the Youngstown. Is it State Demetrius? Kid. No, it is. He's a wide receiver, Deshaun Patterson. Deshaun, right. He's a rookie from Youngstown State. That's it. Non-drafted guy who, up until yesterday had gotten himself noticed making plays and repeatedly <laughs> yeah. making plays. And yesterday he got himself noticed dropping a fade in seven shots and then dropping a spectacular bomb down the sideline oh. from Josh Dobbs. He was 10 yards behind the defensive back and just clank. Well, that was the uh, other observation I had is that Landry Jones looks exactly like he has all along. Competent. He's fine. He's good. Um, but in terms of who's going to be number three, obviously, you know, Josh Dobbs has a long way to go. 
uh, to unseat somebody they spent a high draft pick on. But Mason has a long way to go, Mike. He does. And uh, So if you're expecting all of a sudden you're going to come out to camp and see this kid be a gunslinger from the get-go, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Yeah, he's number four right now. Yeah. And uh, he is uh, learning as he goes. Uh, he's making some plays, but there are also some just ap- apocalyptic misplays <laughs> that uh, yeah. he is succumbing to. He's done the Gary Premium thing twice. That's not good. Where you're, you're, you're trying to throw the ball, and it just somehow goes the other way and comes out of your hand, and you end up with the empty arm going forward, and the ball's bouncing back. Like yeah, you did it NFL blooper yeah. reel. Yeah, not good. But of all of those things, uh, including it yesterday. <laughs> a sensational catch by Juju in the end zone. Also, it was fun watching Juju interact with the fans. He saw kids wearing his jersey. He runs right up to him. Antonio Brown's uh, the earrings he wears for practice. Those, uh, they're those, pretty big. Those are pretty big practice earrings. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was walking by us yesterday and dropped a ball. I know. Which I thought was like seeing a unicorn. I was well, like, he's wait, big, he uh, drops the ball? Big fan of the DV Morning Show when, he, yeah, when he looked over and saw us. Yeah, he got nervous. He was alarmed. Rattle. Understandable. Out of alarmed. All of those things. <laughs> far and away, the most impressive thing I saw yesterday was Ryan Chazier walking with a cane down the sidelines. And at first, I thought... I must be mistaking who that is. Mm-hmm. I thought that's not that's not Ryan Chazier. There's be. no there's no way that's him. And I kind of had to like do the old you know cartoon, rub my eyes and look again, and I could not <laughs> believe how swiftly he was moving. And he's covering some ground too, man. He was like going all the way down the sideline, and it was not sure footing yesterday. You know it, it, that the whole Out thing. On the field. I could not believe it. I didn't realize he was that far along. I knew he was walking, but I thought it was more with the help of a brace and short spurts. Uh, he was just out there by himself, walking around the practice field yesterday. Even just flashback to the draft, it was monumental for him to walk to the podium. Yeah, you know, with with some help, and he was laboring. And now it's it just seems crazy that he's made this much progress. But the other thing I, I will say is that it never fails to amaze me how many Steeler fans show up for practice. The the oh, sidelines are jammed. House. Every vantage point is two people deep. <laughs> As you noted yesterday, Mike, there were people two football fields away sitting in the bleachers so that they could get an elevated view of what was happening. A couple of hundred yards away. Yeah, the width of two foot. There are three fields lined up in a row, and the, the stands are way down in front of the first one, and they were on the third one yesterday. So you're looking <laughs> across a field, across another field, and then there they are. You can't get a hotel room. The oh, Steeler fans, this is Mecca, uh, and I don't imagine that there are too many other teams in the NFL that have a similar experience. Also, because of the remoteness of this camp, it's got to have a different feel than a lot of the other ones, too. Because you pull up, and it's still oh, When you're like, here, you're here. Right. There's nothing around here. But as big as it you is, know. this still feels very quaint compared to what Jerry Jones probably has going on in Dallas, Dan Snyder in uh, Washington. And one of the things that always makes an impression on me is how many people are from out of town. People come from all over. I tweeted a picture last week. There was a guy, I came from Germany. Yeah. Uh, people bring signs. I'm here from Tampa to see the Steelers. Uh, I was over at uh, Sharky's last night, and uh, I do a lot of work on 970, as a lot of guys do. There's a lot of Steelers shows, and one of the regular callers to those programs is a guy named Nick from Tampa. 
And I'm sitting oh, there, I met him. I'm sitting there during yeah. a commer- commercial break, and he comes up and goes, Hey, Mike, I'm Nick from Tampa. Like, they're, my brother was in town yesterday. He lives in suburban Washington, D.C. Yeah. He's a season ticket holder. Yeah. He, but he comes to practice as well as the games. He does this every year. Uh, people love coming out here. I, I think once you're here, you understand. If, if you've never been here, you hear us going on like this, you probably think, What are they talking about? It's Latrobe. And it's, right. It's no, no, no. Camp. How great can it be? It's really... Uh, it's romantic. It, what a great word. What a great word. It is just to come out here for a few hours or a few days, or in my case, the entirety of it for 32 years. Yeah. I look forward to it every year. I really do. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I like watching the process of the team build. And you, can th- you guys watched one practice and things jump out. Hey, Justin James was blocking. Hey, did you see that catch James Washington made? It kind of... Gets, you, well, yeah. gets, gets the juices oh, yeah. flowing for football season. I mean, I said last night when I was on with you in labs, I said this is like coming out to a work site and watching them pour the foundation because this is the footprint of whatever they're building this season to be, and it's it's incredible. The sights and the sounds, you're taking it all in. The, the smell, everything is inspiring. It's like nostalgic. It's, yeah. It's, it's all that. Bill also astutely uh, observed yesterday that the guy running the jugs machine was doing a great job. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. We tried to get him on the show. He's booked. booked. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, jugs machine stuff. He's yeah. A, he's a big guy. But yeah. I, I like that you mentioned the historical aspect of it, too, because, you know, that's Chuck Knoll Field down there because that's where Chuck Knoll used to coach. It was yeah. like going to the old Yankee Stadium and you look at right field. Oh, Babe Ruth used to be there. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Like, and you see in pictures. that spot, you know. You see those throwback pictures of, of the 70s Steelers, Joe Green and all those guys coming off the field, coming up those stairs, the same way the players do it now. And the, the fans are all squished in trying to, you know, yell to their favorite player and get their autograph. It's just tremendous. Yeah, it's changed a lot up here, but it's still very recognizable dating back to the 60s and 70s. And that there's no better example than that stairs down. We're, we're right next to the locker room here. There's a, a set of concrete steps, and then there's a gravel path that, that goes all the way down to the field. Mm-hmm. And that's where both sides of that are surrounded every day. And that's mm-hmm. what the players uh, have to navigate when they go to practice and then when they come back. Well, a lot of them come back on golf carts now. Uh, but when they go to practice, uh, the the willow trees down uh, on the far end by mm-hmm. the turf field, uh, it's a beautiful place. Nothing gets you fired up. For the NFL season, quite like coming at the Steelers training camp. Steeler fans, get out here and Come check on. out what's going on. Oh, you'll, I'm telling you, the fire gets lit pretty quick. Yeah, because it's not just practice. They have like a whole fan zone with stuff for kids and merchandise oh, yeah. tent and all yeah. kinds of stuff going on. So. We're going to be broadcasting live here for the remainder of this show. Also, tomorrow's show will be uh, live to tape from Steelers training camp in Latrobe. Val's got a news update for you next. What do you got, Valerie? Well, you know, you shouldn't let your dog lick your face or anything like that because you think it's kind of gross because of what they might have been licking, but yeah. there's a much more serious reason, so we'll talk about it. Kevin Colbert, uh, GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, joining us uh, as well coming up next half hour here on DVE. There's a, there's a brief uh, clip of him here in Pittsburgh in 1980. At the Civic Green, and he's on is stage. Is this during his ace, uh, his racist bender? Uh, it was right around that time, and he's like, Hello, I'm going to have a drink. Is that okay? And he's clearly, like, hammered, and he starts having a drink, and he's getting heckled by people. Ah, Clean up, up your act. Red that act up. <laughs> <laughs> Mort. Hey, Mort. 
pay good money to come down here and see you. What are you doing, <laughs> slow hand? Could be the jag. <laughs> Clean it up. Play that cream. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Like Pittsburgh hecklers, you know? Thankfully, our next guest never has to hear uh, the din of a bunch of Pittsburgh voices complaining. It is uh, the one and only <laughs> Kevin Colbert, general manager of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing great. Great How to see you, you guys. Buddy. I like you got your Buckos hat on right. yesterday or th- today. Yesterday I had mine on. And, uh, you know, there's a little crossing of the streams here, a little uh, support for your buddy Neil Huntington. Now, you must know how he feels because he was under the gun there for a little bit and then at the deadline able to pull off some pretty big moves. That's you got to feel good for him. Oh, we feel great. You know, we visit those guys every spring, mm-hmm. you know, see Neil and see Clint and Frank and when we, Coach Tomlin and I go down to spring training. And, and what they were able to do even before the trade deadline, you know, they were on kind of a slide. And, you know, they just, the, Neil kind of challenged them, and they just all came out and were playing phenomenal. Do you think he challenged them, or do you think that that was an honest assessment at the time, and he thought he was going to be having to move in a different direction? Well, I think it was an honest assessment that ended up being a challenge. In, in the players' eyes, they're like, okay, let's, we got to do this. And I think, you know, players probably got to the realization they, they couldn't compete and for a playoff spot at yeah. that pace. And, man, they, they, they turned it around real quick and, you know, went from some, you know, bad losses to some really decisive wins and they're still on a streak. And then to add a few players, I yeah. think that's great. Uh, the organization's just showing that they're going to go for it. And that's yeah. beautiful because that's, I, I know that's what they want. I know that's what everyone else wants. And hopefully it's it's going to transpire. Yeah, and it was really inspiring. Uh, <coughs> the subsequent comment by you, eight and eight's not going to cut it. No, <laughs> we we know that. I mean, we we know that for sure. And boy, eight and eight's never going to cut it. And um, you know, we have our own work to do, and that's what we're trying to get done here. Did you see Archer showed up yesterday in an AB jersey? I did. That was Speaking awesome. Of symmetry. That was that was really that was really neat to see. And you know, you know this the interaction between the franchises with us yeah. and the Penguins and Pirates. It's it's great for this. This sports venue, and it's it's real. I mean, it's nothing that's a, you know, a um, late coming kind of thing. We always do it every every year. We're there. We have pirate tickets, penguin tickets, and our players interact. And I think it's great for the city. It's great for our sports fans. Isn't that a funny thing about Pittsburgh? Though I mean, that players know coming in, like a guy gets traded to Pittsburgh, and his instinct is. I better put some Steelers gear on. Oh yeah, you have to. <laughs> you know, like, about, I, about, I want to be accepted. I better, I better get some Steelers gear on. Well, but then guess they get it, way into it. Like, how about Shazier with the run with the Penguins last yeah, year? Yeah, no, right. no, no. He question. was all about it. Oh yeah, and, and the crowd loved it. Sure, and I and I bet Chris Archer he'll have a Crosby jersey on before the end of no the week. Question. Yeah, no question, no doubt. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> well, no, speaking the of the, uh, of that, what did you think of GMJR's offseason move so far? Well, you know, it it was a um, obviously when you don't win a Stanley Cup after you won two in a row, it's a disappointment finish. And I'm sure he looked at his team and said, "Okay, we we still are we're still a really good team, right. but we need to add here and there." And there was only certain moves that they could make um, with salary cap and all those different type things. But it, you know, they're they're not going to sit quiet, and they're, they they once you get that Stanley Cup, there's nothing else that matters. And uh, I know that, you know, Jim came by in the spring and we visited and it's always good to share ideas. Um, so I I'm, I know that they won't sit t- 
tight. If there's another move to be made, he'll go for it. I mean, because that's what that's what they do, and they've been yeah. pretty successful at it. Mm-hmm. So you understand the business aspect of, of hockey pretty well, as well as fans' emotional attachment. So in your eyes, when you hear people debating the whole Murray flurry thing, does it seem like a big waste of time to you, or do you understand? an emotional attachment to a player as a GM, like eh, making this move is going to be tough for me. But as a GM, this is a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mark Andre Fleury is a hall of fame goaltender in my opinion. And he helped them win a lot of Stanley cups as did Murray. So how do you move this guy on and bring this guy up? Um, it, it wasn't easy. It's never easy to part with a, with a player that helped you win a championship. Never. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it has to sometimes it has to be done from a business from a franchise from the right. future um we always have to weigh 2018 versus the future and we always we never want to gut the team to try to win in one season but we want to win every season so that's a that's a tough decision that, that organizations have to make now, all the time now luckily for you Le'Veon bell made it easy to not have that emotional fan attachment to any business decisions that might be, be being made because he hasn't exactly handled them in a, handled himself in a way that's endeared him to the, the Steeler fan base too much. People are seeing him as being kind of, uh, well... Me first guy. Yeah, but you also understand the business aspect of his position. No, I mean, look, we tried to sign Le'Veon to a long-term deal and... You know, we'll deal with 2018 because that's all we can deal with at this point. By by rule, we can't do a contract extension after July 16th. And, you know, we'll all go through 2018, and we'll see where it takes us, and we'll certainly be open to signing Le'Veon. Le'Veon's a great player. Um, we, we did try. He did try, and it just didn't come to um, – it just didn't come to fruition, and whenever he gets here, you know, we think he can help us win a championship. So the sooner he gets here, the better, uh, and that's that's something that he has to decide because we can't we can't force him to be here prior to his signing. Did you see Gurley's contract offer as validating Le'Veon Bell's stance, or did it more resemble what you were willing to deal with? Well, Le'Veon? you know, with Gurley, that was something that was it could have happened, and. It really didn't matter because Le'Veon, you know, when we deal with our guys, we're we're aware of what goes on around them. They're aware of what goes on around them, but we all have to make decisions based on what we believe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certainly Gurley is among the top running backs. Le'Veon's the best runner. I mean, there's there's no getting, there's no debate on that. So whenever he um, is able to hit the market, he'll hit the market accordingly, and he'll have to make those decisions as we will and other teams may have to now. Kev, you uh, had some interesting things to say last Friday uh, about, I think you called it, all the stuff that's being said, the uh, the assaults on uh, the Steelers' mode of operation, uh, attention to detail, discipline, focus, those kind of things. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, why did you decide that was the time to sort of be the defender of the faith and uh, set the record straight? Well, you know, you just you respond to comments, and it's like, First of all, Coach Tomlin never has to defend his record. I mean, since he's been a head coach, there's not too many that have had the success that he's had. And that speaks for itself. When when people talk about us and our discipline and our structure, um, they've never sat in on a meeting with Coach. When Coach addresses that team 
there's full attention. When, when anything pops up, um, like last year with Martavis with the social media stuff, I mean, he took a, a significant player out of a game and sat him for a game because of that. And that, you know, he made a team decision based on an individual's behavior that, that really put us at risk at winning a game. But he had to do it for the best of the organization. And there's no question that whenever he has to make a decision for the best of the organization, that he does it in a diligent manner. And there's, there's no question about who's in charge. When, when he speaks to a team, when he speaks to an individual in a, in a meeting, be it if the player did something good or something bad, um, he always lets players know where they stand. And that's never been a discussion. You know, there's things that happen in the – in the outside world, it's a, it's a challenging world with the social media, and we mm-hmm. cannot control these guys 24-7. We can, we can tell them, and we try to uh, make sure that they, they understand the consequences, um, but, boy, it's tough in today's world. If something does get off track for whatever reason, is it on Coach Tomlin? Is it on a position coach? Is it on maybe a, a locker room leader? To, to kind of deal with that? I think it, I think it's all three, and, and it really extends past that into, you know, myself and, and Mr. Rooney, and, you know, we all have to manage um, what a player is doing because it reflects on us. It reflects on a player's brand, but it also reflects on the organization and the team, and sometimes the team members will step up and manage that that situation as well as as they should it's their locker room it's their team but sometimes the coach has to step in sometimes we have to step in as well Terrell uh, Emmons in camp signed everything's all buttoned up there saw him yesterday and uh, he he's like an, he's a pretty impressive guy he's the real deal yeah uh, but when you picked him it surprised a lot of people including he was one of the people surprised by it he was literally in the bathroom, not expecting to be picked at that time when you guys picked him. Does that put more of an onus on him? Does he feel more pressure as a result of the industry uh, analysis on him being that he should have been a second-round guy? Yeah, no, I, I mean, he was um, – it was an easy pick for us. As as the draft was shaping up – Boy, do I like hearing that. It was an easy pick. No, it really was because as it, as it was shaping up, we obviously – we. We understood the linebacker situation with Ryan's injury, and we, we knew who was going to be available. Um, and it didn't look good because there were some really good players that were probably going to get picked before we were we were picking. And uh, throughout the spring, when we, when we met with Terrell, we met with Terrell and his brother, who happened to be one of those top yeah. inside linebackers that went to the Buffalo Bills. Um, we had a dinner with his family and the two of them and several of our coaches and his mom and dad and we came away from that dinner and it was almost like, I think this is going to be our guy because these linebackers are probably not going to make it. And boy, this guy is a, we thought a a really good first round pick. I mean, because he's, he can play in several different positions. Um, He's a great kid. He comes from a great family. He's smart. He's tough. He's athletic. So we'll see where it goes. He doesn't tweet stupid stuff. (laughs) He's not not trying to spend uh, an inordinate amount of time burgeoning uh, rap career or anything like that? Mm, it's early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, love, I'd, love, I'd love to say that, you know, that'll never happen. But You, you never know, know. No, but he comes from a, um, you know, I was at, I'm actually old enough to have drafted or been with the Miami Dolphins when we drafted his father, yeah. Pharaoh Edmonds. Yeah. And they're just an awesome, awesome family. His mother, his father, 
uh, they've been raised right. So I think yeah. we're very we're very um, comfortable in where he will go, not only as a player but as a person. Did you ever uh, reveal your scouting report on the dad, either at the dinner or to Terrell? Oh yeah, no, his dad is huge. His dad's six six. Um, when he played, he was two fifty. He's a little bit bigger now. So we were very <laughs> we were very cordial at the dinner. But his father. <laughs> Um, his father was a Pro Bowl player, a Pro Bowl tight end of uh, the University of Maryland that uh, we had drafted in the third round with the Dolphins. He went on to play for the Seahawks, and his career ended because of some back issues. Um, but he was a really good player. So it's not surprising that he has three kids in the NFL right now. All you guys in personnel, you can recite the draft from 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, in the second round we got this guy, and he went on to do this. And in the eighth round we got this guy. You never forget this stuff. Oh, wait a minute. Well, you, have a, you have a little frame of reference yourself about not only the sports, but the music industry. And that's just, you know, that's what we do. That's what we love. So it's, you know, I don't want to say it's easy, but that's, that's what we remember. Uh, it just amazes me, though, the detail and, and the, how long ago you can just pick a guy out of the air and, and there it is. It's like it was yesterday. Yeah, but that's, that's our job. Yeah. How many years is this now for you? A lot. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Now, this is this is actually my 34th season in the NFL, and this is uh, number 19 here. Believe it or not, it's, it's our 12th with, uh, with Coach Tomlin and I being together. Does that make you feel any different uh, from a standpoint of uh, pressure to to win? Do you feel does do you feel like more at ease with that experience? Or does it feel like the clock is ticking, we have to win now? No, the, really, the, the outside never changes well, what we feel on the inside, and that's we have to win a Super Bowl in 2018. This is this is all we're worried about. 17 is over, and, you know, 19's too far away. It's, it's Let's focus in, and right now it's all about getting ready to play Cleveland. You're a guy who seems to enjoy training camp as much as anybody when you're not working, which you do a lot. But, uh, you know, I wake up, uh, look out the window, and I can see the smoke from the <laughs> fire pit the night before. No, no so, fire. Yeah, no so. fire last night. You know, we had a little pool pool action, and, you know, we have a little suite with a pool table. And it's, you know, you're here, and we're here, and there's only so much you can do. And you have to be careful uh, on the outside anymore. And it's, you know, there's, there's things that we have to avoid. Um, so we tried to have some you know, social fun here uh, on campus where it's managed. It's everybody stays, everybody, you know, walks home. And it, it's sometimes you just have to have fun. And, you know, fortunately, we're able to do that around all the work that we have to do. Do you still have the uh, Roy Buchanan livestock Absolutely. CD with the great <laughs> Billy Price? Absolutely. Nice. That's, that's a unique, um, you know, Roy Buchanan was a unique you know, guitarist, and unfortunately, I'm I'm old enough to have seen him play a few times at the Syria Mosque, and it was. I thought you were going to say you drafted him to the Dolphins. <laughs> God, the was, he was huge. <laughs> he was versatile. Yeah. Kevin Colbert, GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, with us this morning. Thanks as always for All your right, time. Guys, appreciate thank it. Best you guys. of luck this year. Uh, more to come here as we broadcast live from Steelers training camp on your home of the Black and Gold 102.5 DVE. DVE Sports. Pursuta. With your sports now, we're broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College, in Trobe. Mike. Sports is out brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Let's pick up where we left off last hour. The emphasis today, from my perspective, is the defense and specifically the players that the defensive coordinator Keith Butler identified as the guys who need to stand up, who need to play better, 
who need to come a lot closer to reaching their perceived ceiling or maximum output than they had a year ago. In case uh, you can't remember who they are, here's uh, Keith Butler letting you know who those guys are. There's several guys that I've talked to that I think there's there about four or five guys on our defense that's got to stand up. You know, he's just one of them. Two is one of them. You know, there's several other guys. SD needs to stand up. Artie needs to stand up. Uh, Bud needs to stand up. Uh, and Vince needs to stand up. I think all those guys. And I think all of them would tell you that after the, after the season. That's a, the way I felt. But I, 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 I wouldn't say that about them if I didn't think they were capable of doing it. They are capable of doing it. And uh, it's a matter of them just doing it. And if they do it, then we got a chance to be real good. That's one of the concerns I have this year is that in the secondary, Joe Hayden can't expect him to play as well as he did last year, I think, because he's, he's at the age now where decline is imminent. And I'm worried that he might, his play might decline more than Artie Burns is able to step it up. It's a good point, although what might counteract that a little bit is that he is here now and was here in the spring instead of getting here in September. I'm only speaking about attrition and not, you know, conforming to a new defense. Well, it doesn't even matter because it apparently, you know, they're going to be out of, they're going to be in special sets and doing all kinds of sub package stuff this year instead of the traditional 3 4 anyway. So anything that he'd become accustomed to last year is probably going to be scrapped, right? Yeah, but I mean, just getting here. And being around, they've been working on this stuff since the spring. He didn't have the off season. Gotcha. He didn't have a training camp with his teammates. Uh, that's, I heard that's from everything I've read, Mike, and talking to you, he still has some gas in the tank, and he's he's looked great up here. Yeah, I don't think he's all pro, Joe Hayden, but I think he's pretty good, Joe Hayden. And uh, right now, he's their best corner, and uh, we'll see if Artie Burns can take that mantle from him. We'll see if Bud Dupree can step up. Uh, you heard Keith Butler mention him in that group of five, and. Bud Dupree knows that uh, he was the number one pick in 2015, and uh, he also knows the future is now for guys in uh, his circumstance. You know, it's our time now. You know, we were, uh, we're not the young guys anymore, and uh, you know, we lost Chase here. So we got to – everybody got to step up with knots just to make up for the slack that we had with him. Yeah, we lost Chase here. And, uh, you know, he's talking about himself. He's talking about Artie Burns. He's talking about Sean Davis, the former number two pick. Uh, you look at Bud Dupree's line, he started 24 of the 38 games he's played for the Steelers. 90 tackles, 14 and a half sacks, three passes defense, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery. That's a pretty good season, right? Unfortunately, that's Bud Dupree's three-year yeah. stat line. So he is switching sides, right. though, right? He They're going to use him on the right side. He's on the right. The idea is twofold. Get him on the blind side and get T.J. Watt in a position where he can rush from the front because they believe T.J. Watt is a better contained guy. He's better at getting up and knocking passes down, and he's better at dropping back in the coverage. So maybe each guy is in the right spot at this particular time. Bud Dupree knows he has to make more plays, and he talked uh, about maybe doing that because he thinks he's arriving at the point where he can play the scheme, but as we talked about with Artie Burns, jump it when you sense the opportunity is there. Uh, don't freelance, but don't be afraid to get aggressive and get your hands on the football. Just be around the ball more, you know. Um, now that we really know the defense, we really got to we gotta put ourselves in situations to make plays. As in, uh, you know, we know the defense, get outside, our, just start going by the book and not necessarily do our own thing, but we got to add a little swag to it. And uh, 
you know, um, really play football now. Yeah, just anticipate. So, you know, don't be don't be afraid. Don't hold back. And that's what it is. Basically, just don't hold back. You know, make plays. Do like we've been doing our whole life. You know, just go out there and do it. And that takes you right up to that fine line. You know, when you talk about the Steelers' defense having problems in recent seasons, it's two things, basically. Miscommunication, weren't on the same page. Yep. Guys are left wide open. And that, that's happened a couple times out here. Already, you guys uh, saw yesterday in seven shots, Justin Hunter caught a touchdown pass. He was uncovered. Whose man was that? I don't know, but some he was somebody's. Mm-hmm. And he, he was wide open on a play from the two-yard line. And the other thing is, you know, oh, guys tried to do too much. They got out of their gap. They didn't have their guy because they were over-aggressive. Can you play the scheme and still strike when the opportunity presents itself? That's uh, a tough thing to figure out. That's what Bud Dupree He's trying to figure out. That's what Artie Burns is trying to figure out. That's what Sean Davis is trying to figure out. We'll see if the Steelers get it figured out. A couple minor injuries from yesterday. Big names. Uh, people may have seen that Antonio Brown did not practice yesterday, which is a real rarity. He almost I, never I couldn't believe I saw him walking around there yesterday like that. Uh, Al Villanueva left uh, right at the start of practice. Uh, he just did the seven shots at the start of it. And uh, James Washington, the number two pick wide receiver from Oklahoma State. Mike Tomlin didn't get specific with any of those injuries, but he said they're all categorized as day-to-day. And, you know, things happen out here. Guys get sore, pulls, what have yeah. you. Uh, they'll be back at it uh, out here today. And then tomorrow night is the Friday Night Lights at Latrobe's Memorial Stadium. Oh, that's, that's always a huge deal. That's always a big yeah. deal. Our Sean McDowell will be out there broadcasting in advance of that. And there's opportunities for autographs and photos and uh, a practice in a stadium. So you don't have to stand around out here or sit on the hillside. You can sit in this sit in the stands and take it in that way. Good deal. Mike Pursuta, we're broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe, and uh, we're going to be hanging out here for the remainder of the show today. We're going to stick around a little bit after that, record a bunch of interviews. We'll play live to tape for you tomorrow. Uh, and Val will have a news update coming up top of the hour. Val? Yeah, you could get paid to go around the country and sample awesome barbecue. Oh. Which sounds like a pretty good job. Good deal. I'm interested. <laughs> uh, that coming up, we got uh, Gene Collier coming up. And I think, uh, do we have confirmation on the players that we have coming by later? Yeah, I don't want to say it yet, but it uh, uh, looks pretty good. So stick around because... Uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, a couple of big names. A couple uh, of guys that maybe have to stand up this year. Yes. Yeah. For sure. All right, that's on the way. DVE. It's the DV Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Mike Pursuta, Bill Crawford, Val Porter... We are producer Joe Rikiki. We are uh, broadcasting live from Steelers training camp, St. Vincent College in uh, Latrobe. And uh, last night at Sharky's was a lot of fun as we watched Mike Pursuta uh, perform the live from Latrobe radio program on uh, 970 AM, 106.3 FM. Another bucket list item for me, I told Mike last night, Grand Canyon, Mount Rushmore, hanging with Labs and Pursuta at Sharky's. That was a blast. Uh, Labs and I have been doing that for a number of years now, but uh, getting Bill on was a thrill. Uh, we had Jerry Dulac <laughs> on, which made thrill. Yeah, I was wow. wanting to have him. I, I, Bill's been wanting to come up here for so long, the, the group, to do this broadcast the way we're doing it. Bill has gone uh, to OTAs with me. He's, yep. he's gone to minicamp with yep. me. He's even he even made a tr- the training camp practice at Heinz Field. Yep. The, when Sean Spence made the interception, and everybody's still talking about his rookie year. 
Bill never made it out of Allegheny County for a Steeler practice. He always wanted to come up here, so it was great to have him on the show. We had Jerry Dulac on, so it was... Hey, you popped your Jerry! It was like I nagged Mom and Dad long enough, and they finally took me to Disney. Can I, can I please, please, please? Uh-huh. Can I, can I, can I please? We got the pregame show team back <laughs> together, and uh, a treat for me. Uh, I wanted to give a perspective on uh, all these people we've been talking about that come from all over the place, as I called them, displaced Yinzers that are still Steelers fans and make a pilgrimage to training camp every year. And since my brother's one of them, I thought who better to explain that than my brother, the Ph.D., seemingly of sound mind, who drives four hours to go to a practice in July. It's like salmon going back upstream. <laughs> I mean, but that was, that was fun having him on. So. And our contest winner, Dan Bartush, or Bartosh, or as you call him, Dan Bovard. <laughs> I didn't know hey, Bovard whatever. was a town. Listen... <laughs> You know, the last name is important, I guess, but really the guy knows we love him. Dan seemed like he had a lot of fun uh, along with his entourage. He had an entourage. He did. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were tearing it up, too. Yeah. So that was good. And you guys got to experience Sharkies. Now you know what it's I'm great. talking about. My the- favorite thing about Sharkies is if you offer to buy one sports writer a beer, you buy 10 sports writers a beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's fun. And they it, like to drink the beer. There's yeah. not so much confusion when it's coming back the other way because it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, guys got, yeah, dinosaur arms all of a sudden looking for the wallet. <laughs> oh, 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 my arm. It's broken. Oh. <laughs> oh, I got a deadline. I got to get out of here. Gene Collier joins us live from Steelers Training Camp next on your Home of the Black and Gold 102.5 DVE. Yeah, it's the DVE Morning Show broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp. St. Vincent College in Latrobe. And joining us right now, Pulitzer Prize losing columnist Gene Collier of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks for having me. Gino, but, you know, uh, before we get to the Steelers, I have to ask oh, you sure. a little pirate stuff here. Because, Excellent. Uh, yeah. w- with what has gone on in the last 48 hours and uh, pirate fever running rampant throughout the uh, the uh, uh, Triangle Valley, that's not a thing. Yeah, right? Tri-State area. Tri-State area. Yeah, Triangle Valley is good. <laughs> I like that. Where is that? I'd like to go there. I went. I got in there. Uh, I got accepted, but I guess. Sounds vaguely <laughs> smutty to yeah. me. I don't know. <laughs> um, at $2.2 million... That's all the that Bob Nutting is going to have to pay for all of this. Neil Huntington no, has really yeah. pulled off yeah. <laughs> quite a deal here for uh, the old Bobster. Yeah, and he's got uh, controllable years, financial flexibility. Thing. You know, the financial flexibility parade follows the same route, you know, yeah. as the Penguins one. So don't be confused. <laughs> uh, as I said to Bill, um, I don't know if these are going to work these trades, um, but I I really like the fact that they did them. Yeah, you know, because I, as I told the uh, audience on the nightly sports call Monday night, which I know y'all watch. Yeah, I tape it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, think I DVR'd this most recent one, so yeah. don't spoil it. I think Richie Walsh asked me, "Is this going to happen?" Because they were talking about Archer. You know, obviously starting on Monday. I said, "No, this won't happen." It's <laughs> <laughs> the kind of expertise they rely on. Probably. Yeah, you know. yeah, but nobody thought it was going to yeah. happen. No. Apparently, In Ken Rosenthal defense. did two years ago. <laughs> yeah, really. Did you see no. that? Really. He, no. he predicted the exact trade other than the player to be named. Oh my God. What? What's the matter with him? He's, well, he's Archer has been a guy. Tampa's going nowhere more than the Pirates are going nowhere. And they've been talking about trading Archer for a couple of years. Yeah, I didn't know that Huntington had been talking about him for that long. And Ken Rosenthal, Rosenthal had Glass now and Meadows as the return. Oh my God. Come on. He tweeted, Does he have the sports uh, almanac from Back to the Future? two years ago. And Meadows was still a prospect. Right. Well, let's not yeah. spread that around because I don't want him replacing me on the nightly sports. 
So nobody other than Ken Rosenthal <laughs> saw this coming. See. Yeah. By the way, did you see Glass now pitch three innings for Tampa last night? They they do a thing where they they have a bullpen game because they don't have enough starters. Yeah. So I know. they they, 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 they have an pitch, opener. They pitch a bunch of guys. Right. He started with three innings, walked one, struck out five. Yeah, he, that's the way it works. Yeah, he's got a Charlie. Well, Barkness. did you see uh, Nick Kingham last night pitch three innings in the first inning? Yeah, that was. Pretty, <laughs> yeah. Bro, that was that was painful. Wasn't yeah, it? Uh, you know, I was uh, going through some of my stats from last year, uh, late last night, and uh, I noted that uh, against Baltimore in the second game, Ben Roethlisberger threw sixty-six passes. That's 15 more than Nick Kingham threw in the first inning. They should have they, they let him in because he was on pace to throw 459 pitches. I think that would have been a record. Uh, Gene, uh, you know, this is how many camps for you? I was thinking about this. I thought you were going to ask me this. The first one I came to, I was 32, and now I'm 64. So that would be twice, um, 32 times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how many you've been to, Mike. Yeah, but I live here. But, uh, oh, you mean Gene travels back and forth. I make up excuses to come up here. Well, you know, I was out of sports for six years. I still came to camp every year. <laughs> really. I came up and wrote about the food prep guys. You know, I'll do anything to get up here. Yeah. Well, so, but you don't stay here? You travel back and forth to the city? Yeah. Um, no, I stayed last night and I'll stay tonight. And I usually uh, stay for a couple nights once and then I, I do commute if I need to talk to somebody specifically yeah that's the way i do it mike's here all the time yeah but it's it's interesting i think for people who don't know and aren't privy to it that the people who are in charge of giving you all the perspectives of camp all the sports writers whether it be national or local are part of one big group of people and ideas bounce around criticisms are uh levied (laughs) oh yes (laughs) criticisms abound and uh, it is unique how people kind of figure out what they're going to be writing about and what they're focusing on. And once you hear somebody else might be covering certain territory, you go elsewhere. You picked up a little of that on the sideline yesterday, too. Uh, huh? Fascinating oh, yeah. watching it. It's like planet Earth. It's, you, you know, the migration over to Sharkies. Yeah, it's harder all the time to find something that nobody's thinking of. That's yeah. for sure. I think yeah. we all do the same stuff. We just do it on different days. Yeah, that, that could be. I mean, I'm always thinking, what can I write on here that hasn't been written four times? And uh, it's usually it looks like something that what what the hell is he writing about that for? Right. You know. Yeah. Well, one fun thing to write about <laughs> is uh, is Le'Veon Bell and his not being here. Uh, He's not here. No, not That's here. That's been written about before. <laughs> been written about. See, I can't get any of this information. In your experience, what's the it matters factor for somebody not being to camp? Oh, I think it's a great benefit to not be at camp if you're a player. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. I think I think that keeps you fresh. Yeah, I really do. I, I, you know, if I was coach, I wouldn't have anybody come to camp. I just start <laughs> with the games. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you at Cleveland. See you there. Fresh. Don't legs. be late. Don't be late. <laughs> it seems that um, every year Steeler fans have a new level of anxiety. The, well, not anxiety. They, <laughs> and disgust is the wrong word. They're this like people are are so fed up with Attempt. the the player who's selfish. But this is not a new phenomenon. No, this is the NFL. This is uh, the name of this game is get as much money as you can while you can get it. Yeah, that's really all there is to it. And if you think of some of the of the uh, circumstances that some players, a lot, and sometimes a lot of players come from, Barry Foster, I don't know if you remember this, Mike, told me one time, 
or maybe it was a bunch of us, for once uh, at Christmas, his big Christmas present was a pair of socks. So if you have a chance to get $10 million sometime, and you can get it just by not showing up, that right, might, you know, that's a, a lot win, of win. socks. That's a lot of socks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but you know, that's the that's what this game is all about. People don't want to hear it. They think it's about you know, Steeler Nation loyalty, branding, whatever it is. Yeah, no, it's about money. It's yeah, about money. Very much so. But but you know, to your point, get as much money as you can while you can get it. The G A M M A Y C W Y C G I. Yes, is not factor. as ca- is not as catchy as the NFL. The NFL, that's right, that's true. Yeah, you can, it's hard to sell. It's a really yeah. long acronym. But yeah. has anybody ever approached the level of is narcissism the right word? Antonio Brown. What is he? Uh, he's. Uh, I think. The term is uh, self-aware. Self, he's very <laughs> self-aware. Incredibly right. self-aware. Everybody who has a helicopter is. I'll That's what I hear. <laughs> I hear they're jerks. I've never seen anybody work like this guy. Oh, yeah. I know. That's what everybody says. I was it's, just glad that uh, that Ernie Holmes wasn't here the day that, <laughs> oh, that Antonio Brown that. showed up in the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm trying to think of when I'm standing out there. <laughs> I, I didn't want to go never occurs to me. helicopter. <laughs> never occurs to me. Yeah. yeah. That's good, Randy. Because that could have been... That, that could have been, been a disaster. Well, it would have been, sure, on several fronts. That would have been... That would have blew up Twitter. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who would have been the best 70s stealer on Twitter? Oh. Um, hmm. Lambert? No, no he, he wouldn't, wouldn't be been, on He it. wouldn't be on Twitter. Oh, my God. Lambert would... Yeah, he would... He would hate it. Elsie Greenwood might have enjoyed it. What about well, Frenchie? Me, Joe Green, just uh, maybe, uh, maybe Ernie Holmes. Do you think Ter- Terry Bradshaw would uh, be honored at all? Well, you know, he's very careful not to say anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Collier from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. <laughs> Be sure to uh, read all of his columns as uh, he brings you the most unique perspective from Steelers training camp here uh, at St. Vincent College in Latrobe for now 32 years. I think so. Congratulations on doubling that up, Gene. Yeah, not at all. Hey, here, here's uh, here's wishing you another 32 years of covering the Steelers. Yeah, I'll be here. 96. I'll be 90. How old is he? He's 96. Jeez, he looks terrible. Yeah. More to come from Thanks Steelers so training camp live here on the DVE Morning Show. Some people just, uh, you know, they're very singular-minded. Maybe sure. they're busy. You can, make, you can rationalize it, and you kind of think, oh, this jerk. But the other way, it's not that they're not helping. It's that you are all of a sudden working for them. And they don't even acknowledge That's you. Right. It's like not getting the thank you wave when you let somebody in traffic. Got to get the wave. Don't you always, if wave. you don't get the wave, do you always yell at the person? Oh, I scream at the person. <laughs> I do. I- what? You can't even say thank you. I, even I when didn't they, have to let you in. <laughs> even when they do, I still swear at them, but I smile. I go, yeah, yeah, F you. Why? Go ahead. Skirt the whole line and go in front of me. No, I'm happy to help. <laughs> go ahead. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> I mean, don't you always do that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, you pretend you're nice. No, no, it's fine. No, no, really, no. I think I told you this before, but my friend had told me something that really helped me with my road rage. He said... Whenever somebody cuts you off or doesn't say thank you when you let them in, you have to remember that that's somebody's grandma. So now I always say, like, 
you know, go ahead, you stupid grandma, like, <laughs> you dumb nana. You know, that <laughs> really does help. Oh, my. No, go ahead. No, really, it's fine. I hope you get mauled by a bear. Go ahead. Yep, sure. Yep. Hope you die in a house fire. We are up. Uh, <laughs> That's aggressive. That is aggressive. Uh, That's why they call it rage, Val. <laughs> yeah, it's not rage if it's not aggressive. It's not road pad it can't on the be, back. How it can't be practical road rage. How cold are you today? Uh, Very. Okay. Cold. A little chilly in here. Yeah. I'm glad I brought a jacket. It is a little chilly in here. I'll well, give that see, to I'm not the only one. Yeah, she right. just touched my arm. I think we need to check for a pulse. <laughs> for you or her? Her. <laughs> Val's got a news update for you now as we broadcast live from Steelers training camp. St. Vincent College in Lay Trobe. Here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It's brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Closure. It's 66 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The suspect who allegedly killed former President George H.W. Bush's one-time doctor was out for revenge. That, according to Houston police, was the killer's motive. His mom died while the doctor was performing surgery on her. Police have identified the suspect as 64-year-old Joseph James Pappas. The doctor, 65-year-old Mark Hosnecht, was shot while riding his bicycle in broad daylight July 20th in a Houston residential neighborhood. Suspect was also riding a bicycle when he allegedly fired the fatal gunshot. He was identified by several people who recognized him, including a caller who told police that the mother of the suspect was one of Hosneck's patients. I mean, how old was the mother? Well, this was 20 years ago. Oh. Yeah. Boy, he really <laughs> sat on that for a That's while. That's a plot of a movie, which I just watched not too long ago with Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell. Really? Yeah, he Colin Farrell was a doctor and a woman died after, or no, it was a guy who died after he performed surgery and the son later came back and sought revenge. No kidding? Yeah. Which, so I don't know if this guy watched that. the guy saw that. the movie. Yeah. He's like, good idea. Yeah. Reynolds Rap is now looking for a chief grilling officer to spend two weeks traveling to cities famous for their barbecue to learn tricks and tips and secrets of grill masters all over the country. And it's a paying gig. You'll get ten grand, and all your travel and your costs will be covered. It's just two weeks. There is a social media element. The chief grilling officer will be expected to take pictures and write reports that will be featured on the company's social network. So, CGO. If you want to, uh, yeah, that's uh, if you want to get in on this uh, now through August 13th, you can apply by submitting your best original grilling photo along with a hundred words on why you should get the job, and you need to email it to ReynoldsCGO at gmail.com. I like Reynolds Rap. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> this is an unpaid endorsement. It's a good product. It seems like a sweet gig they're offering, too. <laughs> That's only two weeks. Yeah. You know, it's not like you have to go all summer. Right. Because you remember, like, the guy, the man versus food guy, put on a tremendous amount of weight. Yeah. He had so fat. Is that why he had to, they had to get another guy? Because that guy was like, I'm going to die. Well, no, I think that guy just got healthy. And also, he might have been racist. Yeah, oh, that's right. He was racist. I forgot about yeah. that. Man versus racism. Racist and man then he lost. food. And then he <laughs> lost that battle. <laughs> Food beat racism. <laughs> and this is a bizarre story. A Wisconsin man recovering after having multiple amputations caused by licks from a dog. Doctors say Greg Mantefel suffered a life-threatening sepsis infection caused by a dog's saliva. The bacteria is found in healthy dogs and cats. 
but it can cause severe sepsis and fatal septic shock, gangrene of the digits or extremities, high-grade bacteremia. I am gangrene of the digits. <laughs> Meningitis, endocarditis, and eye infections. <laughs> Mantafel had both his legs and hands amputated last month. He is expected what? to survive. He's uh, also scheduled to have a portion of his nose amputated as well. This is like the giving tree. This guy just ends up as just a stump. And they, the story Can you stop said, licking me, Sparky, please? Hopefully he, this guy wasn't a super weirdo. We're going to find out how weird he is when the <laughs> amputations stop. I mean, that is crazy. That's you, just unique to that dog or all dogs no, have that component? They This bacteria is found in healthy dogs and cats. How come this is the first time in the history of dog and man that I've heard of this story? I don't know. Maybe this guy was had a weak immune system or something but i don't know how many crazy. how many amputations before you think about maybe putting that dog down well they said he was around he was around eight dogs <laughs> what does that sound really cold i mean it's just a hard dog bio for the you know when you put it on doggy tinder after that <laughs> you, you're gonna have to disclose the relationship might lick your knee off check the yeah. dog facts <laughs> yeah you're like uh-oh Problem Not is getting this guy. He's going to have a hard time swiping left. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tennessee uh, man. Not even a World War II joke. That was good. Uh, Tennessee man in hot water after getting caught on a moped with stolen meat stuffed down his pants. Ash County Sheriff's deputies say Keith Jordan shoved at least nine packages of steaks down both pant legs and somehow walked out of the store. Not going to that guy's cookout. Uh, he allegedly tried to get away on the moped but was chased down and thrown in jail. you got to have a better getaway car. Yeah, you can't Jordan. get on a moped, <laughs> rob a bunch of steaks, and just hop on a Segway. <laughs> I can walk and catch you. <laughs> the steaks value was at $100. Maybe they, he should uh, hook up with these guys and have a surf and turf, a shrimp theft being investigated in Pennsylvania. Oh, God, where did they put them? Two men, <laughs> two men stole the shrimp from a Lancaster Township grocery store. They got away with several bags of shrimp worth about $200. There was a rendezvous spot where they were going to meet for surf and turf. <laughs> we'll meet back here. So. <laughs> and then they like put the shrimp on the table. The other guy goes, cool. And he takes off his pants and they're like, dude, what? Well, why did why'd you, you, oh, why did you put it in your pants? He's like, I thought that's what you do when you steal steaks. Uh-oh, the guy with the pepperoni log is about to show up. <laughs> I think we should call this cookout off. We gave you a bag. <laughs> I know. I just, I don't hey, know. I mean, you know what? They were. Look, I felt like they were on me. Look, they knew. All right. I just wanted them to be at body temperature. <laughs> so somebody took a survey of how people pronounce different foods. Pecan. Do you say pecan or pecan? I say, I say pecan. I say pecan. 62% say pecan. You say pecan? You Tommy Lee Jones? I got to be honest with you. I don't even say it. <laughs> I just realized that I really don't say it much either. Yeah. I would like that nut pie. Hello. Whoa. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> Let's, Let's back on. up just for one second. <laughs> Joe, can you make sure we get that yes, uh, cut out? <laughs> Another Is this drop. confession time, or what's happening that, here? That drop for further use, if you don't mind. Happy nut pie. <laughs> oh. well, what if you want a pecan oh my pie? God. I think I, somebody uh, was bringing that to I the would, cookout we I just mentioned. I definitely would not ask for it like that if I did want it, Val. You got I'm the nut need, pie? Yes, I do. I'm going to need it. that nut pie. <laughs> 
It's just not something I'm comfortable with ordering. (laughs) Thank God we're in a church and can go right to the confessional. (laughs) Is it caramel or caramel? Oh, dude. Caramel. 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 The majority say caramel, 57%. Yeah, well, you got to stretch it out. Say mayonnaise or mayonnaise. I mean, mayonnaise? (laughs) (laughs) Who draws it out like that? Do you guys have any mayonnaise? Almonds. Do you pronounce the L? Do you say almond or almond? Almond. 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 Who doesn't pronounce the L? Almond. Almond. 28% don't say it. Uh, Milk or milk? Shut up. That's not Uh, a thing. No, no, it it is is. a thing. Gardell says milk. A lot of people do. We got to trick him to say it next time he's on air. 8% say milk. Why does he say milk? I don't know. Some people say milk. It's just... Yeah, I don't know. I know a couple people that say milk, and it's it's unacceptable. Orange. Do you say orange or orange? I say orange. <laughs> Is that wrong? 89% say orange. What? Orange. Right. Orange. Apricot or apricot? Apricot. Apricot. The majority say apricot. I've probably said it eight times in my life. <laughs> and this one I don't believe is a real thing. Bagel or bagel? Bagel. Guys <laughs> uh, <laughs> want a bagel? <laughs> With your nut pie? Dude. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. No. 96, Actually, I'm never coming here again. Oh, 96% God. say it right. They say bagel. Hey, I stuffed some bagels down my pants if you guys want some. I'll go good with the steak and nut pie. <laughs> so I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often. This happened at a Costco in Greenville, South Carolina Sunday. A 70-year-old man patiently waiting in line for some free cheese samples when a 72-year-old guy cuts him off and grabs the cheese and walks away. So the 70-year-old 70-year-old let it go, but then when he was in line for a free cheeseburger sample, he saw the 72-year-old guy approaching, and he was going to do the same thing again. So the 70-year-old hit the 72-year-old guy in the head and knocked off his hat and glasses. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, nothing like an old guy fight. Police, police showed up. I mean, it was an. I guess it, they were involved enough to have the police come. Uh, I don't they know talked. If that was necessary. They talked to both the guys and some witnesses. They decided not to make any arrests. Although, I mean, if you if you knock a guy to the ground, that's broken bones at that age, right? I mean, you got to think you're gonna at least. Yeah, maybe there were some get severe a deep injuries. bruise on your hip. Well, don't roll up when I'm trying to get a free. Uh, <laughs> hey, I would never do that. I wouldn't disrespect somebody like that in Costco. Well, psh- there's Wait, plenty of sample stations. Find another right, one. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it was a cheeseburger sample. That's pretty substantial. Uh, in music news, the Rolling Stones have teamed up with BMG and Universal to curate a two-disc collection of blues classics. Confessing the Blues features 42 songs from many of the band's influences and heroes, including Howlin' Wolf, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, B.B. King, John Lee Hooker, and Muddy Waters whose At Newport album was the first one Mick Jagger ever bought. As Keith Richards says, if you don't know the blues, there's no point in picking up the guitar and playing rock and roll or any other form of popular music. Ronnie Wood drew the album cover. Some of the album proceeds will benefit Willie Dixon's Blues Heaven Foundation, which provides scholarships, music clinics, and live shows as well. And Kid Rock, Randy, you've uh, talked several times about how he didn't, you know, come from a trailer park like he 
kind of alludes to. Oh, no, Kid Rock's a liar. Yeah, he's... <laughs> His childhood home, a 5,660-square-foot, 22-room estate on five and a half acres in Bruce Township, Michigan, is up for sale. Wow. $600,000. That's a low price. That tells you how bad things oh, are in Detroit. Lord. Five bedrooms, seven bath, five car garage, a guest house, a three stall horse barn, a regulation tennis court. Yeah, and you know, just a, a regular old dude out of the uh, out of the uh, trailer park with <laughs> stalls for horses in the house he grew up in. Does the house come with Uncle Cracker? That's because to me that's a deal breaker. <laughs> Good point. If it doesn't, I'm I'm out. Forecast today, expect some rain. Temperatures in the upper 70s. It's 66 at DVE. Yeah, we're broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe, and we're going to do so tomorrow as well. Well, it'll be live to tape. We're going to be sticking around here all day collecting interviews with players, coaches, and personnel for the Pittsburgh Steelers 2018 campaign. It's the uh, stairway to seven, once again, Mike, as the Steelers uh, are hopeful. Do you think they had a better chance with last year's team? Or this year's team? Which last year's team? The one before December the 4th or after December after. the 4th? After. This year's. Yeah, you got to like this year's team better. Because yeah. they just oh, never, no. they never recovered they have a better from that chance. injury. Yeah. I, I, and Defensively, I mean. Yeah, Labs was emphasizing this on the show last night. It's one thing to lose a guy like that. Losing him so late in the process, what do you, you know, how do you fix that? Right. At least now they've had a whole offseason and a draft and free agency and they're practicing now and they understand their circumstance. A whole, I mean, people knew he wasn't coming back last year, but it's tough to dial up plan B right before you go into the postseason. Yeah. Uh, I'm anxious to see what's going on with this defense. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to Tom Bradley later. That would be, uh, that would be nice. Uh, because things have certainly changed defensively for the Steelers, but in particular in the secondary. There's going to be a lot more moving parts, and you could see... A, a lot of sub-package uh, activity going on, and maybe somebody even... Well, I don't think could. I think you will. Well, uh, will you? this would have been a defense Troy Polamalu probably would have thrived in. Yes. Then again, which one would he have not thrived in? Good point by you. A full sports report coming up from Mike Pursuta as we continue to broadcast live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe on your home of the black and gold 102.5 DVE. DVE. Sports. Yeah, Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now as we broadcast live from Steelers Training Camp St. Vincent College in Latro. Mike. Sports is out brought to you by Barstool Sports Rough and Rowdy Brawl August the 5th. I've been uh, emphasizing the defense all day today. That's been the theme. And uh, let's face it, that's going to be the theme of the season for the Steelers in 2018. I think everybody has pretty reasonable expectations that the offense is going to be explosive and productive. The question is, can the defense do better than it did at the end of last season after losing Ryan Chazier? Defensive coordinator Keith Butler talked about the need to get better upon his arrival here at St. Vincent College, and he identified the guys who really need to, as Butler put it, stand up. There's several guys that I've talked to that I think there's there about four or five guys on our defense that's got to stand up. You know, he's just one of them. Two is one of them. You know, there's several other guys. SD needs to stand up. Artie needs to stand up. Uh, Bud needs to stand up. Uh, and Vince needs to stand up. I think all those guys. And I think all of them will tell you that after the, after the season. That's the, the way I felt. But I, 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 I wouldn't say that about them if I didn't think they were capable of doing it. They are capable of doing it. 
and uh, it's a matter of them just doing it. And if they do it, then we got a chance to be real good. Keith Butler from time to time uh, puts the cards on the table. You might remember coming into training camp uh, a couple of years ago after they had drafted Artie Burns, Sean Davis, and Javon Hargrave with their first three picks. He, he said words to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing here, but these guys have to play significant snaps for us. They have to be they have to be contributors as rookies or it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the same with the five guys he mentioned here. They all need to have better seasons than they had last year for one reason or another. Uh, that is uh, not a responsibility that Stephon Tuitt is willing to shirk. He, hey, if Keith Butler said it, it must be true. Yeah, my name on the list. <laughs> no, um, yeah, uh, I told you last season I had a down season, so got to make up for it by the end of the day. Um, you know, come out here, get better every, every every week that I'm out here in training camp to, uh, to produce. Yeah, Stephon Tuitt did have a down season last year. He got that biceps injury, a couple of snaps into the opener against Cleveland. Uh, he had a subsequent back issue. He ended up missing four games last year, and his numbers, uh, three sacks, 25 tackles, two passes defense, one forced fumble. I'm not I'm not worried about him at all, Mike. I don't know about you. To me, it's a, it's a health issue with him. I think he's an absolute stud. I couldn't agree with you more. I think if he's healthy and right, he is going to be a dominating player. Uh, you have to wonder how healthy he wasn't for the Jacksonville game. For a lot of the games. I mean, including the Jacksonville game. They got blown up in that game. Yeah, and Hargrave was dealing with a back at the end of the year, and he was better than what they had behind him at at less than 100%. But, hey, that's not, you know, you got to survive the war of attrition, right? And that's why uh, Stephon Tewitt's got some pretty simple goals for this season. Be healthy and uh, do what I can do. Stop the run, passing, put pressure on the quarterback, and just help my team win. Um, It's not an individual game out there. It's... Me playing within my teammates within the playbooks. Be healthy and do what I can do. And uh, Stephon Tewitt's another guy uh, like uh, Bud Dupree, who we heard from last hour. Uh, Tewitt is another guy of the opinion that knowing going into this season and having gone into the spring and the preseason and then going into the regular season, knowing that Ryan Shazier is not going to be in the mix, uh, that's a significant uh, difference. It is in a certain in a sense of uh, you got other guys that's going to be more in the playbook and other guys that's going to be more vocal out there and uh, get a chance to have the defense under their wings to get used to everybody. I think it's going to be really good to start fresh with a couple new key guys and you know have them have the chance to be that person. And those key guys would be whoever ends up lining up next to Vince Williams, either John Bostic or Tyler Matikavich. Uh, Morgan Burnett, uh, who's the new strong safety. Sean Davis is now the free safety. That's a different position for him. But Dupree's on a different side. T.J. Watt's on a different side. A lot of changes. And uh, changes that needed to be made, quite frankly. Had they gone into this year with the same coaching staff and the same guys, you'd have to scratch your head and wonder, what are you, what are you looking at? Yeah. What, what are you not seeing that everybody else sees? Uh, that Jacksonville performance was awful. And they got to, they got to, as Mike Tomlin would say, they got to own it and they got to react to it. Out of those five guys, Mike, who do you think it's most critical that stands up? I mean, to me, it's Bud Dupree. Because if everything they do starts up front, he's going to be a huge part of that. 
getting that rush and, and collapsing the pocket. And he could in turn help Artie Burns be the guy he needs to be. Better rush means you don't have to be as good for as long in the secondary. To it, I think we're all in agreement it's going to come through. Yeah, but no doubt. we keep talking about the obstacles that the defense has going forward because of all the personnel changes, formatic changes that are uh, that are coming. Um, but offensively, they lost their offensive coordinator and put a guy in who's never done it before. A lot of confidence. Their star running back is not at camp. <laughs> this is not yeah. they got no a depth sure on, thing. That they got no gonna, depth on the offensive line. Yeah, they're not going to come in like a well. I mean, it's not a sure thing that they'll come in like a well-oiled machine. In, no more uh, deep threat. September. Well, you got that. but I, I think the offense will figure it out. Ben Roethlisberger has supreme confidence in Randy Feigner. That's good enough for me. He's in the meetings with him. I am not. Uh, I think Le'Veon Bell will have a pretty good year. I'm starting to. They're they're talking me out of my concerns that I had expressed before training camp about maybe you don't just show up and, and be great. That people out here seem to think that he will because he did it last year. All right, not to be a jerk, but consider the source. What are they going to say? Yeah, we are screwed. Well, you hear stuff off the record. Uh, I have I have conversations and uh, I get information that is not attributed on the air that uh, I use, mm-hmm. and uh, they, people think Le'Veon Bell's going to be pretty good. And we uh, know he's already been taking snaps in South Beach. So yeah, he's he's keeping himself ready. That's right. Uh, I really like what I've seen from James Washington, the second round pick out of Oklahoma State, the wide receiver who looks like a running back. He's short and never gets open and always catches the ball. He did it twice yesterday. He's strong. He, Mr. Combat Catch. That was his rep coming in. That they said when they drafted him, this guy finds a way to come down with those fifty-fifty balls. And you saw it firsthand. He, he caught one in traffic yesterday that I couldn't believe he came. Didn't down make with. any sense. Yeah, he's doing that pretty regularly out here. Yeah. Uh, and the line, you know, Remote Foster, his knee injury is going to be short term rather than long term. So when he comes back, BJ Finney goes back to being the uh, backup interior guy and a very reliable guy to put in if you need him. And yesterday, Alejandro Villanueva left practice very early, and we saw uh, the guy they call Chukes, uh the draft pick from oh, yeah. Western Michigan, Chukwama Okorafor. He played left tackle. That one is a little scary to me that a rookie is potentially your backup swing tackle. I'll be curious to uh, find out how Chukes did yesterday filling in for Big Al. More to come live from Steelers training camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe on your home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the flagship, 102.5 DVE. Ack, not your wallet. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Uh, Bill Crawford uh, <laughs> just had a uh, fanboy moment because he was talking about something and was looking out the window, and he's like, so maybe what we can do a little bit later on. Oh, my God, there's Mason Rudolph. Um, hey, you uh, know what, guys? Uh, I don't I don't agree with that characterization. Uh, I You're adding that. I didn't. I, those noises never came out of my body. Mace. I will say that he looks in shape. Mace. He does look in shape, and and uh, if there was no product in his hair, I'm impressed. He looks like the dude who was in the Twilight movies who did the movie here in Pittsburgh. Yep. Yep. Oh. Where he slid down uh, yeah, the werewolf guy. escalator at PNC Park. Yeah, uh, that what kid. Is the What's the name of that movie? Don't even know that. <laughs> that was, was that Jack Reacher? No. Nope. No. Nope, that was Did not. Jack ever reach her, or is he still trying? He's. I, I think it's a series. Eventually, it will end with him reaching her. She should probably just chill out. Let him get over there. 
What's the kid's name? I'm looking. Is his first name Nathan? It's Jake. <laughs> Taylor Lautner? Is That's that right? Taylor Lautner. Yes. That's who it is. That's who he looks like. Yes. Also, that, that name sounds like an 80s like chick that had like a big hit. Mm-hmm. That was Taylor Dane. Oh. Tell it to my heart. That's when you exactly come out to Steelers it. training camp in St. Vincent College in Lake Trevor, you go across Route 30 if you're coming from Pittsburgh, and it is festooned. That's not the right word. It is packed with... Orange barrels. Chain <laughs> restaurants. Stuff that is just delicious looking. You're like, oh, yeah, I want to go there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish there was a Sandals Resort out here. We well, really need to take in this atmosphere for seven days. We're, you know, I don't know. I'll pitch it to Mr. Rooney. Uh, like they could do Rooney World out here. I mean, I'd It'll come. It would be a huge hit. Yeah. be packed every day. That's right. They should at least have cartoons called Rooney Tunes. We'll figure that out later. <laughs> but when you're driving out on 30 and you see all of those restaurants, yeah, Olive Garden is one, you know, it's uh, tried and true. It's one close to us in Green Tree, too. Now, did, did you hear the news about Olive Garden yesterday? Did not. They tweeted out a photo announcing their own makeup line. <laughs> where each color Spaghetti Rouge. is inspired by a popular menu item or ingredient. Diehard fans were pretty psyched about this. Oh, yeah. Later on, the Olive Garden's like, oh, sorry, that was just a joke. Diehard fans? Everybody got really mad. Do they think it's a Christmas movie? No. Neither does Bruce Willis, so he put that to rest. The photo showed a makeup kit with bronzer, blush, and six different shades of eyeshadow, and they all had names like Breadstick Bronzer, Marinara Rouge. I mean, that's basically my guess. Yeah, Royal Ravioli (laughs) and Spaghetti Sparkle. So it was a joke. Right, uh, I bet people would buy it because when yes. they they you know I mean Olive Garden fans are they love it. Those, Dude, they put the pasta pass. Yeah, it's just what I was gonna say. That endless pasta pass that people were getting. You know what they should do? Like you do at Disney when you can buy the thing that gets you to the front of the line. They should do that for the buffet at Olive Garden. The fast pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, move it. <laughs> move Stanley Skip to the front of the Going line. Going right to the front of the no, line. I bet VIP table. Buy the makeup. Well, they were so that's what's happening now is now the company's rethinking the joke <laughs> because so many people were into it. Well, they're like thinking about what doing it? it. Alfredo. This is the Alfredo lipstick. What restaurant do you think you could go around smelling like, Bill? And yeah. it would give you a shot with a chick. Olive Garden. Yeah, probably. No. I mean, no? cheesecake factory, can't smell like basil. Maybe? I don't no. know. Yeah, I'm trying to think like probably a bakery. Mm-hmm. You know, Cinnabon. I'm thinking, oh, Cinnabon is amazing. Yeah. Is it Cinnabon or is yeah. it Cinnabon? I think it's, I say, it's Bon. This is how it's like spelled, Autobon. Right? Autobun. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying it wrong all along. Damn it. No <laughs> yeah, I mean, By I the think way, if you have a like, pastry shop in Germany, you have to call it Autobun, right? <laughs> I mean, if they don't, they're just they're just being Missing stupid. Missing an opportunity. Puns for days. All right, so I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I'm, I'll be way into it if it does, because those are, those are perfect gag gifts. I you don't know, think those people are looking at it as I got you some Chipotle uh, eyeshadow. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, yeah, some actually. Guac some eyeshadow. guac eyeshadow. What you don't want is like Chi-Chi's to come back into action with this stuff. <laughs> mm. There's a couple Here's places. Here's some E. coli shadow. <laughs> isn't, there, isn't there a place, isn't the uh, the Italian oven still open in like one place? I feel like maybe on the way to Nemecolon. I don't there's know There's one about that. last Italian oven. 
I used to love the Italian oven. It was great. The the pasta straws. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's were, so why don't we, we do that? Back. Yeah, let's solve our to our get rid straw of the issue. Straw problem. I don't know. I used to always bite those things, and they taste awful because you know you're not uncooked supposed to macaroni. eat uncooked macaroni, which is a <laughs> hard lesson to learn four times in a row, over and over and over. Again. Yeah. Um, we are uh, going to be staying out here for the remainder of the day, broadcasting live from Steelers training camp. And uh, we're going to interview coaches, players, personnel, and broadcast Base? it back tomorrow morning for you. <clears throat> it's been one hell of a uh, 24 hours here. We've been running around nonstop. Really has. Love the experience. Can you tell, Mike? I can. <laughs> I dug the hotel. I thought the Spring Hill Suites was really nice. It was great. Yeah, and that's relatively new because uh, the other place fills up. They needed more hotel rooms. Yeah, because I mean it's a tourist. Steeler fans are nuts, dude. Sharkies was (laughs) packed last night. Packed, Mm -hmm. jam packed. Wednesday night, packed. Now most of that was the sports writers, but still. Do you go there every night? I have been every night but one. (laughs) <laughs> That's incredible. No, I take that back. Every night but two. You have a, uh, an MO because everybody predicted what you were going to be doing once you got there last night. And they said as soon as he's done with the radio show, he's going to start on uh, throwing down the beers. He's going to put on another he's show. He's going to go to the jukebox, and he's going to crank the Springsteen, and he's going to be yelling and screaming and singing at the top of his lungs. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. Slight uh, variation on that plan last night. I did not go to the jukebox, but uh, Dale Lolly from DK Pittsburgh Sports did. And uh, when we're not playing Bruce, we're playing the Irish music. Oh, yeah? Dropkick Murphy's Flog oh, okay. Molly. It's a lot harder to sing. So we were, crank- we were cranking that last night for a little while. I got right to the point, and uh, Adam Crowley from 970 came over with a couple of shots, and uh, I... Gave that the highs. Wow. Whoa. What? I'm proud of you, Mike. Had I done one, I would have done more than one, and then I wouldn't have been here to enjoy this fine program with you guys. Yeah, one shot is blood in the water. As soon as you get that on your lips, say goodnight. Do we have someone coming? Who's that? James Conner's here? Yeah, we'll run the show long for James Conner, won't we? Sure. Of course we will. Okay. Well, we were stalling for him this whole time, so... Oh, is that what we were doing? He was at Olive Garden. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, joining us right now as we broadcast live from Steelers Training Camp in St. Vincent College, Latro, Pennsylvania, from my hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania, it is James Connor. How are you, man? It's good to see you. Good, brother. How are you guys doing? All right, all right. Now, to, uh, like back in the day, see, now I was a prep guy, and James was a McDowell guy. He was a Trojan. He yeah. was a heated rivalry. For many, many years. Mm-hmm. Until James Conner came in and just started beating the snot out of everybody and everything <laughs> he did. Um, but congratulations on all your success so far. And now uh, everybody, you know, without Lev Bell being here, everybody we talked to is just saying like, yeah, well, James Conner's a stud out there, you know. And so, because I asked Cam if he felt like the defense wasn't getting uh, uh, prepared as much as they would if they were practicing against Lev Bell. And he's like, oh, no. Yeah. He said, James is a beast. you got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, I feel good coming into this camp uh, second year around. So, you know, it's time to my expectations for myself and the coaches, what they expect from me are, uh, you know, they're rising. So, um, you know, every rep, I'm just trying to make the most of it, make the reps count. Um, you know, with Le'Veon not being here mm-hmm. or, or if he was here, you know, whenever coach you know, told me to get in to practice, get a rep, I try to just take full advantage, put myself in a moment and, um, yeah, trying to give the, the defense a good look. What's the difference for you between last year and this year? Um, just uh, comfortability, 
Um, I know what I'm doing now. I know what to expect. Kind of learned how to be a professional with mm -hmm. taking care of my body, recovering, and being in shape, and then also just being accountable. Um, you know, we got Ben back there. Cannot let him get, you know, hit at all. So my pass protection, you know, I, I up that. I'm just trying to get better in every category, year two. Pouncey mentioned that this week. He said your pass protection is noticeably better. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you wanted to to fix that. Yeah. Too much going on too fast last year just to, to figure out what to do and when. I'm just kind of new to it. Um, you know, at Pitt, you know, they would just give me the ball. So, but, then, you, know, it's, 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 you know, just being honest, it's a different game. Um, you know, if you can't do it all, you know, you're not going to play. And that's uh, also, you know, reasons why I wasn't on the field last year, and I'm, I'm aware of that. So, uh, um, you know, the coach, they, I believe they know I can run the ball. I just got to show that I'm capable of, you know, protecting it. And, uh, so that's really been what I've been focusing on, uh, mainly this camp. You got your health this year, too. I think you might have practiced more here already than you did last year. It was a tough, yeah, tough start for you. Yeah, first day I passed last year, I had a little shoulder injury. So, um, But that goes into me learning how to be professional with taking care of my body and doing prehab instead of rehab. Definitely stepped up your hair game. What's yeah. the uh, the reaction to the mullet been like from your teammates? Man, the, well, the teammates they like it. Um, the fans they like it. Walking up, you know, they scream. <laughs> I love the mullet and stuff. So I got a long way to go before it gets real, real long. But I'm just so you're going to keep it going all season. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it going all season. That's what Ben asked me too. He said that's what we're doing this season. I said yeah. So, so you're gonna keep going. So oh Steeler God. fans, it's kids tremendous. in particular, should emulate James Conner, but yeah, but man. this should be the new Pittsburgh hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with the jersey thing? What if, you mean? If, if somebody hangs your jersey or if a kid's wearing it, uh, you're, just, you're gonna just, make sure you. Yeah, I like that because um, that's that's there. special support. Um, you know, somebody. You know, a supporter don't really like to say fans. You know, because they're supporting, and uh, they have my name and number. On, you know, on them, I think that's special. Uh, that that that's like a lot of love and appreciation. So I make sure when I see you know my my jersey out there in camp, I try to you know make sure I go there and sign it and take a picture with them. Why do you say you don't want to say fans? I, the, the word I don't know. Fanatic, it's, derivative of fanatic. I mean, yeah. it is. Steeler fans are fanatic. They are fanatic, but you know, they also they they support and they're coming and they're cheering and they're also you know that they're paying for tickets and taking time out of the day there to really show support. So you know, I th I just think it it sounds a little bit better. It's more respectful. Yeah, it's more respectful. That's you know, that's what I. It, honestly, I I hosted tailgate at Stage AE before the games, and I couldn't. I can't tell you how many Steeler jerseys I saw. With the number thirty and the name Connor on the back, I think yeah. people obviously love you as a player. Loved you at Pitt, but they the jersey represents your story. You're, True, you know, you're yeah. overcoming adversity and all odds, and that that has to be special for you right. as well. Yeah, so yeah, I know that's you know a big reason why the sales my first year were so high because of the story. But you know now I want them to be able to you know support because of the player I am. You know with the story as well. Now a new offensive coordinator this year. How much have things changed in the playbook for you? Um, you know I'm still. This is, you know, new year, but it's still, it's still Coach Randy. Um, you know, he's been around those systems. So, uh, really, uh, I'm not too sure. The really. terminology staying I don't know. Yeah, ben told me don't talk, well, I don't talk about oh, okay. that. <laughs> did Ben yell at you? Because he nah, was yelling he didn't at yell at me. It's just, I, I seen one of Ben's interviews that he did, and they asked him, you know, what's different. And he was just like, no comment, kind of. So, no James's comment. hair. Mm -hmm. That's what's different. Yeah, Next my question. Hair, my hair is different. <laughs> Catching the ball, big deal to you this year too. That that part of your game seems to have been elevated. Yeah, um, just overall, you know, confidence going up. Just trying to be accountable, like I said. James Connor with us right now, Pittsburgh Steelers training camp. It's uh, your second one, and uh, a lot of attention on the Lev Bell situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I'm wondering if it's not going to hurt him this year. And people are like, "Oh, he's 
you know, he's going to be awesome when he's coming in. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be great. But I can't imagine they're not going to be relying on you a lot at the beginning of the year. Do you feel like that there's going to be an emphasized uh, um, reliance on, on your abilities early on? Um, I believe that if I just show that I'm accountable, you know, I'll be on the field more than I was last year. But uh, at the end of the day, I just control the controllables. Um, when Le'Veon gets back, he's going to be the star running back. And, you know, I know I understand that. And, you know, so my job is just to do my job um, early on in the season, late in the season, whenever my number may be called. It's my job just to be accountable and uh, then just know what I'm doing out there. How do you not indulge in the distractions that so many people get caught up? in in the nfl social media and otherwise um i'm, I'm still in a learning process so i really don't have time for no distractions you know I'm, I'm trying to master the playbook and uh still continue to learn how to be a professional so you know i'm trying to just stay level-headed and keep the distractions minimal james connor always a pleasure to talk to you man best of luck Thank this year bro. thanks Thank so much for making time Appreciate for us it. here steelers mm-hmm. training camp live from st vincent college in latrobe the dve morning show we're going to send it to michelle now we'll be broadcasting live once again to tape tomorrow interviews with players coaches personnel all broadcast back to you from 6 to 10 tomorrow as uh, we continue our hangout here at st vincent college in latrobe always good to talk with james connor this is like halftime it's like uh, for us it is mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we're going to take a, a quick breather where's the hot dog keep buffet? going Val- Don't they have that at the stadium? They do. Boy, you should see the guys line up for that. <laughs> do they have nut pie? You'd think it's, <laughs> you'd think it's the last supper. <laughs> there's elbowing, there's pushing. Wow, like oh, the 70-year-old yeah. guys at Costco. I don't remember that in the last supper. Were they elbowing each other? He's going to play a lot first couple games. I think so, too. Uh, remains to be seen, but he is the guy that a lot of people talked about in the spring, and they're still talking about him out here. Uh, the the different player that he appears to be. Mm-hmm. I uh, love when he said, I, I want them to, to represent. I want them to wear the jersey now yeah. for more than the story for me as the player. I think the Steelers love when he said, if you don't protect Ben, you can't play running back here. Because oh, yeah, and he, that. He wasn't good at that <laughs> last year, and uh, people are, are saying he's – they're noticing he's improved that part of his game. Cool. All right, more to come from us. You'll hear it all tomorrow. Michelle's got the electric lunch coming up next at noon, right here on the DVE. Well, not on the morning show. That'll be the lunch. All right, this is going to go you really know great. I'm already knocked out. <laughs> We're in trouble. Have some nut pie and we'll Damn we'll you, Sharkies. All right, <laughs> quick break. We'll be, uh, we'll be back on tape. Michelle will be back live in Pittsburgh. DVE.